0: Welcome to the MinMax Show, a good place to forget bad things. I'm Ben Hansen, joined today by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Jeff Marquiafava. Hey. Oh, Lord, exciting day. And Serial Vasquez. That's me. But that's not all. We have a very special guest who has appeared on technically the MinMax channel before, but first time on the MinMax Show podcast, Mike Maharty from Polygon. Yes, hello. Polygon, Quibi, Speedrun what is various places one that's confusing all right so (laughs) what is your role on polygons quibi show is that like your full-time every Mm -hmm. day focusing on quibi just drenched in quibi
1: yeah that's the my main focus day-to-day uh it's technically like a tv contract for the first season once we until we find out whether they bought us for a second season but i'm the editorial director so any content anything that happens on the show I have say over in the editing process and the pitching process and everything.
0: Very interesting. What yeah. is the host name on Speedrun that Quibi Polygon show?
1: Jimmy Mondel. Very young esports background host guy.
0: That man's eyes are mm-hmm. the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen on a human being. Yeah, he's a good-looking man. He's,
1: he's super young. Stunning. Uh, cool yeah. guy entrancing yeah he is very cool he's very good at uh like valorant and esports stuff that's what his background is he was at uh, cheddar esports when they were like an upstart thing i'm okay. not sure if they're around anymore but that's where quibi and polygon found him
0: gotcha he was
1: he he's been on the speedrun show cast since before i got there
0: oh interesting yeah, he's well
1: a good, hey. he's a good kid
0: yeah exciting times uh what an exciting day we're recording this podcast on Thursday, so I'm sorry it went up a little bit later than usual. But today was the big PlayStation Five stream. I think it's about as good as gaming gets as a day like today, where you don't exactly know what you're going, what you're going to get, and then it ends up being a ton of cool games and a surprising hardware reveal at all, which I was skeptical about uh, going in. But there's a lot to unpack about the PlayStation Five stream. We can get to that in a bit. Um, but I wanted to let folks know that. First of all, we just posted The Deepest Dive on What Remains of Edith Finch. The community over at Patreon voted for it, and so we had a fun game club discussion all about that game from 2017. It seemed like the overall uh, sentiment from the community was, I never would have checked this out if it wasn't for The Deepest Dive, and I'm glad that I did because that game rules. And with a name like that, a lot of people could overlook it, you know? Uh, Yeah, I love that game. Oh, good, good, good. But also wanted to announce that uh, the next Deepest Dive will be, drum please, Robin Hood, Defender of the Crown! Robin Hood, <laughs> Defender of the Crown, ladies and gentlemen. So run, don't walk. Uh, no, we're going to be doing The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, the deepest dive in The Last of Us Part 2. We're going to be aiming to have the best, most thorough discussion about that game on the internet. I think it's, there's going to be a lot to talk about. We're all going to be going in blind, so we haven't been playing it ahead of time and being super cheeky along the way and stuff like that. So the game comes out Friday, June 19th. Uh, the first episode, the first discussion will be on June 24th. So technically we'll have the call looking for your comments and wonderful insight on Patreon over there uh, on June 22nd on that Monday. So the stopping point for The Last of Us Part 2 is going to be about six hours in. If you want to find out more about exactly where to stop around that six hour mark or so, uh, we'll have a video up on MinMax's YouTube channel on friday and you can check that out to get a better stopping point um or you can just ask me on twitter but it's going to be a super fun time so please look forward to that it's on our youtube channel or also you can unlock the podcast version if you support us at patreon.com slash two ends at the five dollar tier mike Mahardy, that's the patreon life is you have to see a url um, about four times per recording
1: you don't have a bitly
0: no we got to get one of those bitlies keep
1: I don't telling know you how those work i just know those that's it's so a it makes things easier.
2: Yeah. But Link's in mine. one URL, it gives you a shorter one. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Mike, I, I... got plenty of tips for Patreon like. That's my free... Li- I'm a f- patron consultant.
0: <laughs> you are doing a lot of streaming with Dan Reichert. It's like Dan will find some game that he likes a little bit and he'll rope you in to, I don't know, hit a baseball for three hours or something.
1: Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Because I started streaming just to, like, a lot of people because I wasn't doing much, at, like, socially for quarantine measures. Yeah. Um, and then... I mentioned to Dan one time when we were playing Call of Duty, I think, like Warzone, how in-depth like Twitch's analytics are in the back end. And I, I told Dan, I was like, I feel like you would like this. He always likes when things get gamified, and thus the monster was born. Oh, now okay. we play, uh, well, this will publish today? Yeah. Episode. Tonight, we're on game three of our World Series of Charity for a couple of, uh, well, one Minneapolis-based uh, charity and then another just black mental health alliance but we figured we'd make it a series and so far it's pretty lopsided we uh we kicked each other's ass in each game one-to-one last night I lost 11-0 oh boy so thanks for bringing it up
0: yeah hey no problem man um well thanks for being here Mike we appreciate it and uh what a what a day what a lovely day as they say in Mad for your road uh the big playstation 5 reveal
2: that's bait what's that a, never mind Go, keep going
0: <laughs> uh do you guys remember how weird it was, how this thing started? Well, let's just walk through the entire stream, because there's a lot to unpack here. Do you remember the opening of the big PlayStation 5 reveal?
3: That, so the, that's the first super thing hot, very relevant game.
0: <laughs> GTA 5 is how they opened, and it wasn't like a quick, oh, GTA 5 is going to be coming to PlayStation 5. It was about a two-minute, three-minute trailer That just said PS4 in the upper left. It just felt like a giant smooch on the kiss of Rockstar Games. I was blown away by that. Not Red Dead either. GTA 5. (laughs) Right. And so they say GTA Online is going to be free uh, at launch uh, for the PlayStation 5. So I guess that's the news. But I just could not believe that that's the note they started on. But then they start coming uh, fast and furious with actual PlayStation 5 games. Mike, do you want to run down your favorites or should we go chronologically? What do you prefer here?
1: Um, I can go chronological with you. I, I can tell you the one I was m- like most pleased to see. Yes, which would probably one? be Hitman Three for me. Oh, uh, was wow! Was that expected for people? Were people expecting that? Because I it caught no. me off guard. Okay, but I got into Hitman. I have a weird kind of recent history with the series. I only got into Hitman last year. I played two with the collection that included the episodes from the first game and fell in love with it. But before that, I had only played Absolution. So I, I I haven't played Blood Money. I haven't played, like, the original one. But I fell in love with it. And then seeing 3 got me excited for that. But outside of that, I was everything else just sucked. No, i was just kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with it. Uh, yeah, the Hitman 3 thing. That was one of those things. If I had to list 70 predictions for the PlayStation 5 stream, the idea of Hitman 3 being revealed here... Would not have popped into my head, but then you see i it it's like, oh, of course, I guess it's been a couple years. And so that's going to be coming out January 2021. IO says it's the conclusion to their World of Assassination trilogy. Uh, Jeff, I know you weren't as red hot uh,
3: about Hitman 2 as the rest of the
0: world, but are you curious about this one?
3: Yeah, I mean, we always preface it with that, that with it, but I, I still enjoyed both hitman one and two of the new versions i just wasn't completely as over the moon as other people but i've been you know playing the series since the very beginning so yeah it I, I it feel like that was a getting on point for a lot more people besides just mike so they're finally like oh hey this is a really cool kind of system and how it works and it's like yeah we've been saying that since the beginning (laughs) yeah so more than anything i'm just happy that people are paying attention and actually enjoying hitman finally
0: yeah for sure well hey uh all right the very first game that sony showed was a new game that is called spider-man miles morales just calling it what it is surreal what'd you think of that
2: reveal uh there wasn't a ton of it wasn't a, like a super long reveal right it was just a kind of a cg trailer and then a little bit of gameplay a little bit yeah they didn't dive into too much into like oh here's how it'll be different from uh regular spider like from the, the first spider-man but i imagine you know uh, miles will have his powers you know like the, the the invisibility so that'll probably be a little different
0: yeah kyle what did you think of that thing
4: um, I am I mean, I'm super excited. My question is like, how, what is that game ultimately? Like, is it right. a full sequel? Is it something smaller? Is it like an Uncharted Lost Legacy situation since it doesn't have a number after it? Uh, which I'm totally fine either way. It's mostly just curiosity, you know? Well, yeah. And it's weird that they didn't give a date. They just
0: say, okay, so even on the official thing here, it just says coming to PlayStation 5. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry.
4: They did. It's Holiday it's 2020. A, it's a holiday 2020. So holiday it'll be, yeah. 2020, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, the Holiday 2020 is what made people think, oh, maybe it is just kind of a lost legacy left behind situation. And also, yeah, the, the subtitle itself not just being Spider-Man 2.
0: Yeah. Right, That yeah. seems kind
1: of soon to release the, a full sequel.
0: Yeah, and they say it's captured on PlayStation 5 coming to the PlayStation 5, but I wonder if it is more of a lost legacy situation if it would be cross-platform as well even though it seems like Sony's messaging, even at the end of the entire stream was like, Hey, we believe in generational divides, but yeah. I mean, if say- I were a
4: betting man, I'd say cross.
0: I think that's probably a pretty safe bet. Uh, and yeah. then they'll be able to show off like the amazing load times and stuff, which it seems like they've been showing off to, to wired quite a bit uh, by using
3: the original Spider-Man game. Um, yeah. That, that one was also kind of a tough sell though, I think because the things that you're showing off in Spider-Man were. Already looked so great in the original one, you know. It's like super stylish action, a really fully detailed city that you're flying through. It's like, well, you know, especially streaming at 1080p, like like the stream was being shown at. It's like, all right. I mean, yeah, it, it looks really good, but so did the first game. I don't know. I don't know that that was the best game for kind of like this is PS5 hardware.
0: You wanted them to go back to GTA Five. <laughs>
3: you know what spider-man miles morales looks great and that was a perfect <laughs> pick to start
0: yeah no that's an interesting question is like what was the best looking game that they showed here i i would say probably horizon that looked yeah good. but uh, horizon
1: just look also looked good like art direction wise too better mm-hmm. than anything in recent memory i would say so It was kind of maybe unfair but i would say that would be my pick
2: yeah so a lot of that was also cg i
1: don't think we saw a ton of gameplay did we I think there was a fair amount of
0: gameplay going on.
1: for I feel like the montage at the end when she was riding by the Golden Gate looked gameplay. Okay. Uh, that being said, I wasn't watching
4: too intently. Well, Soro, um, you also said that you, the Spider-Man you thought was CG too. I'd never, I never—I assumed all that stuff was in engine. It never occurred to me that it, any of it was pre-rendered. But maybe I mean, I feel really like at that first that music.
2: initial definitely that initial shot I think definitely looked like uh, CG. But I think yeah. uh, at some point you do see him like moving around the city and stuff, which I'm guessing was gameplay.
0: Yeah, yeah. it is weird that the big stream for showing the next generation, I was super excited about a lot of these games a lot of surprises thrown in there, it was super fun I don't think I had a holy god look at these graphics moment maybe the closest for me was when they showed the other new Insomniac game, the Ratchet and Clank uh, Rift Apart and the idea of like jumping through those dimensions the idea of them being able to load everything and pulling from the SSD a little bit more there that might have been like the biggest tech wow that i had which is weird
1: i think I, demon I, souls yeah, for me it. but just by virtue of it being a remaster of a game i know very well so it's like oh that's a good i can compare it to what it used to look like aka mm. dog <laughs> and now it looks great but yeah. i don't i like, don't, we don't know that it,
4: on this podcast i'm sorry
1: dog <laughs> dog <laughs> f-. i'm not <laughs> sure that i know. I'm not sure that it actually looked great. It might have just been by comparison.
0: Oh, right. Cool. I mean, I'm sure it'll look great. I mean, I, there's no universe where Blue Point will release the remake of Demon's Souls, which, by the way, if you're just listening to this and you didn't see the news, yeah, that's happening. Uh, the long rumored thing is actually happening. Blue Point Games, their mysterious game, is going to be a remake of Demon's Souls. But it looked great. But it's, OK, so somebody that knows Demon's Souls well, what stood out to you about just that
2: quick teaser? It's definitely uh, a pretty big overhaul of the graphics. So they they were showing a lot of side by side stuff, and so like the the, I forget what his name is with the giant like the Iron Knight. Um, that shot is very different. Like the castle, like the architecture of the castle is very different from the initial shot. Um, the trailer description mentioned a fractured mode, uh, but they didn't tell you what it was. So huh. that'll be in there. So who knows what that is? I don't know if it'll be implementing some online features all bloodborne into uh demon souls and that there will be a toggle for like do you want it to be more resolution or performance which is interesting considering like they're catching it as a pretty powerful console so to have that from the start seems a little weird like why compromise on either Mm. but i guess maybe it's a ps4 ps5 thing maybe it's a cross-gen thing oh that's interesting that could be yeah uh
0: okay working through the pile here gran turismo 7
4: Mm-hmm. Exciting mean, to see, I'm overwhelming. But I'm not a I am not ai I'm not a Gran Turismo guy.
0: Maybe I'm you just know? too conditioned to um, Xbox as just car porn with every new uh, Forza game. I was expecting a little bit more of car porn. It was it was pretty mm-hmm. simple, and then let's show extended gameplay, which is normally pretty exciting. But it it didn't it didn't pop for me. But cool to have uh, in there at some point there. Uh, and that could
4: be like a 1080p 30fps situation stream kind of thing, like seeing it. Seeing it live on running off PS5 might be mind-blowing. Right.
0: And that's, yeah, it's a good reminder too. I mean, even Sony and their official blog posts were like, hey, everybody,
4: this will look a lot better on your actual
0: console, please. Yeah. Uh, the Jerry next Steinfeld one. Yep. Announcing PS5
1: details. Yes, was G- Mike. Was G- G- Sport the last one? Yes. There was a, did they do the whole like interwoven subtitled games like Forza does? Forza, no, I Horizon think Sport, totally Sport
2: was just like a one-off entry. I don't think they kind of alternated. Oh, like, uh, okay. Or, interesting. But yeah, which is, is funny because, yeah, that's kind of what I want out of them. I, I want like a, a GT Horizon, basically. where there's Like, a, like an arcade? arcade. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. I remember I asked the creator about that in an interview back at Gamescom a while ago about if you'd ever make a more arcade-centric Gran Turismo. And he's like, I have no interest in that. And then he, he back actually. So it was pretty <laughs> fun. Um, okay, so Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart. Uh Insomniac has been busy. Uh maybe like the North Carolina studios working on this one over there, but Marcus Smith is the director, built from the ground up for the PlayStation 5 as they say, and they were key to stress that uh there will be uh, ray tracing reflections on clank, so we can look forward to that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Finally. The first time I saw that character, I said that character needs some ray tracing to really make him pop. Get it, it right.
0: Enough. Uh Kyle, you seem to be in love
4: with like some of the moves in the gameplay. Yeah, well, I mean, just the, like you, like you said earlier, like that was the one that was the most technically impressive, honestly. Like, even if it, I mean, it looked great, but like just the jumping between planets at super high speed was like, oh, that's, okay, that's something new that I don't think other consoles can do. And then this sort of weird action of like, it looked like you threw, a, or, or you saw a portal in the distance, or you threw a portal in the distance, and then you had like a whip thing to like pull like the dimension towards you. Yeah. Like that just looks like a very satisfying action you know so like it's it it's it was one of those things where i was like watching it and i was like this looks fun to play you know yeah so. it
1: might it might be a stretch but when i was watching it i adore Ratchet and clank the franchise i was watching it and it looked like based on that demo what i want that what what i want it to be is eventually like the effect and cause level from titanfall 2 mechanics right. like that combined yeah. with Ratchet yeah. and clank would be super fun because you- like the uh, crack in time and Tools of Destruction, or no, just the crack in time, like, played a lot with those, like, parallel dimensions, and that kind of added another layer to what was already just a mechanically blissful game. And I hope they push that further with it, because it did look super fun, but it also just looked good in general. That was a high so, point for me.
4: So you've, you've played, like, all the, all the Ratchet games, Mike? Yeah. More or less. That character at the end where Ratchet, it seemed like it was, like, a female Ratchet, is she, yes. like, a character that exists, or is that, like, an alternate dimension Ratchet that is... A, the female version of Ratchet.
1: I was confused on that as well, because there is a female Lombax earlier in the series. I forget her name at the moment, but I don't think that was her.
4: Okay, I, so I she's not gray, I don't think, yeah.
1: No, this was like a, a mauve Ratchet, almost. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not, isn't,
4: I'm not isn't,
2: familiar. Isn't part of the okay. story of the, maybe the original, I I feel like I heard And he's the Lombax. last Lombax? Yeah, he's the last Lombax.
4: Well, if, if it is, Lorax. like my assumption was that it was like an alternate reality, like an alternate dimension Ratchet where he just happens to be A different gender you know and i and i i immediately told my daughter about that and she was so excited like she about girl ratchet yeah because it's like she likes ratchet and clank and she was like the idea of like getting to play a female version of that protagonist that she likes so much was like super exciting to her you know what if you're completely
3: wrong though kyle i could be
4: completely wrong and maybe i've ruined her holiday She, i mean she'll still be in the
2: game
1: like even if, yeah regardless yeah. of her origin what what if miles morales isn't even in spider-man
0: miles morales <laughs> mm. <It's> true <laughs> I, wonder
2: uh,
4: how, I
0: wonder how they're gonna do that though if they do introduce that female ratchet is it just like the dimensions are gonna open up early on in the game and then we'll be like choose which ratchet you want i don't
4: know bioshock infinite situation you just meet a whole bunch of different ratchets
0: yeah, yeah, it could be. There's always uh, a Lombax. Mm. <laughs> so uh, after that, Square Enix revealed uh, something confusing but very exciting called Project Athea. Classic, classic Square, just a good old title tease. Uh, That'll yeah. stick, right? I think so. So, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is you see this and it's like, ooh, this could be Final Fantasy 16. This could be Final Fantasy 16, And then they revealed Project Athea. And maybe they're going to save that reveal for some other time to have like the Versus thirteen transition to Final Fantasy fifteen title change that they had at E three a while ago, and have this turn into Final Fantasy sixteen. Jeff, I'm odds this is Final Fantasy sixteen.
3: I don't know, dude. <laughs> I, I mean i i I always get I always get a little wary when it's like, okay, it's Square Enix, so it has to be a Final Fantasy game. You know, like yeah. maybe they're just making a new IP for the for the new generation. So I'll give I'll give them that benefit of the doubt.
0: Here's the thing, though, Jeff. Um, here's why you're wrong. Um, so Luminous Productions, which was at the t- front of the trailer there, so they were the studio that was being run by Tabata, who was the 15 director, and he created that studio. And was like, hey, we're going to make new IP within Square. And then I believe once he left, then there was a news story about like, hey, we're pulling that team and they're going to support Square's main titles and stop making new IP after all. Um, so I don't know if this is like the origins of that new IP that then is being retro fitted into Final Fantasy or if they are going to keep this rolling as something new. Uh, it looked awesome. More action focused. Uh, female
4: protagonist running around. Cool. effed up lightning looking wolves
2: i wrote down awesome jumping in my notes because the platforming looked awesome yeah the the platforming definitely is the thing that's making me think it's not a final fantasy game also if they're planning to turn it into a final fantasy game at this point why why not just announce that but the
1: other thing that led me to believe i don't know much about final fantasy or most square titles in general but gary witta writing on that project leading a team of writers leads me to believe that it's not i just can't see gary widow writing a final fantasy game did you see that he tweeted oh, he saying tweeted that yeah he's oh, leading the team of writers uh, really let me see if i can pull it
2: up yeah he said, I, like, okay no,
1: no no go ahead i'm looking
2: for it. Uh, on a similar note uh, evan uh narcisa i think is his name is he he used to be a writer of kotaku a while ago yeah. he's he's writing miles morales
4: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, because yeah, he does a lot of comic book writing these days, yeah. right? That's what he, yeah, yeah. There's a awesome. uh, Rise of the Black Panther for Marvel. Yes.
2: Yeah, so right, Gary Whitta right. said,
1: really, really proud to reveal that I led a crack team of A-list writers from film, TV, games, and fantasy literature who helped create this immense new universe.
3: Wow.
0: Project Athea.
3: Very interesting. That doesn't sound like Final Fantasy hands. Maybe
0: that's not
2: Final Fantasy yeah. after all. We'll see. I maybe don't think he's that, done it, weirder things though. Yeah. I, an I, when was the last time a, a name with Project something in the title stuck? Project Spark? Project Spark's up there. Um
4: I made a joke that it was Athea Traveler, wasn't it Project Octopath when Octopath
2: Traveler? Was I think there? it was. Isn't code name Octopath or.
4: Uh, Ooh. Talking about that. It's
0: confusing, but that's a good question. I feel like Project Giant Robot from Nintendo that could have stuck, I don't know what they called that mini mode within Star Fox 0 eventually, mm-hmm. but um I uh I think I might have seen Project Athea when I was at Square years ago. I feel like on this podcast yeah. I teased something before that uh when we were on the Final fantasy 15 cover story trip, I saw a glimpse of something and I, it, I think it was this. And so that was a long time ago. And so this thing, I mean, that was five years ago. So if this thing is cooking in the oven for that long, that's mind boggling to me, but we'll see what it is. Who knows? Um, God. And then I wonder if Gary Widow was working on it way back then. Maybe it's a different thing. Who the hell knows? Uh, the game called stray, it was a, it's a game with a lot of robots in it, and a lot of cats, and the robots... Depressed have, robots. Yep, and the robots have faces like... Uh, uh, how would you describe that,
4: Kyle? Um, Kunai. <laughs> <laughs> the, the platformer from uh, earlier this year. Yeah, where it's just, hey, it's a monitor, but then with a face on or, it. Or uh, like an Foley emoji coolie. face. coolly the anime, there's that like robot-headed thing, FLCL. Mm. People, people know it about, I
0: promise Yeah. What
1: was that third person shooter kind of thing that the Mega Man creator made for Xbox One?
4: Recore. Recore.
1: It looked reminded me of the robots from that game.
4: Oh, I interesting.
1: Huh. I played like two hours of it, and that's why I don't remember it. But that's that fair. My first impression
0: of it. Uh, stray. People like cats. People like robots. That was an exciting, uh, confusing one out of the blue. There.
3: Yeah. And, and it's we kind of got the impression that you're playing as the cat, maybe. Yeah, that's how it like. Oh, yeah. ends yeah, I mean, the logo,
0: right? Yeah. Uh, also, then the next game was from Housemark, uh, who are leaving their arcade roots. Um, next, Machina. We were just talking about how much I, I love that game, but known for arcade games, they tried making that battle royale ish game, which I believe they canceled, and so now they're here with a game called Returnal on PlayStation Five uh i'm sorry uh mike did you have thoughts on that name
1: yeah it sounds like it has to do with like birth like i don't it, it has it takes a
0: weird turn halfway through uh that's a, it's just <laughs> i don't like it i like it I don't like the name i yeah. like it. it's simple it's distinct you'll be able to google it i think Placental. it works you can't just name games like that
2: i think you can <laughs> i think it totally works you can it whatever you want as
4: we've learned uh what's that what what company does your show what what show do you make that company for mike what is that called <laughs> oh uh, you got me good kyle
1: <laughs> uh, black tie this is black tie guy uh <laughs> speaking of the game your top returnal yeah uh, i was really bummed when housemark they had that whole i forget it was one of the i think it was like the creative director wrote that open letter yep. like a couple of years ago saying hey we've been making really cool arcade games but none of you are buying them so we have to stop and that was that was the letter He's just telling everybody why haven't you bought it was our game? It's really games? short. Yeah, and uh, I was really bummed because I loved everything they did. They did uh, Alienation as well, right?
0: Yep, yep. So Resogun at the launch of the PS4. if you Remember that? So uh, this game, it looks like a fusion of Edge of Tomorrow and Annihilation. If you want to be reductive, <laughs> but a uh, woman stuck in a loop, sci-fi, and like it's interesting seeing Housemark tackling uh, a third-person shooter because it. It's not the most fluid animation you've ever seen in the world, but it's like, okay, still looks tight, and you can still see some of that housemark arcade uh,
4: arcadey DNA just in the combat there. Kind of near-automata-ish, like bullet hell and third person somehow, kind of. Oh, Maybe. interesting. Yeah,
2: like yeah, you yeah. Have a lot, it looks like you have a lot of mobility.
4: Yeah, yeah I'm excited for it. Uh, Returnal is yeah. that
0: one. Uh, this next one was a surprise. God, they had a lot of stuff here. From Subone Digital, Sackboy, A Big Adventure which is a 3D platformer starring Sackboy, which is one of those, like, of course. Of course, why didn't I think of this before? Just, like, take that mascot, one of PlayStation's biggest mascots, shedding all that creativity on out of there and just give us uh, a Mario-style 3D platformer starring Sackboy. Yeah,
2: it's weird that... uh one of the takeaways from this presentation for me was that like Sony's really stepping hard into the platformer space. <laughs> the three D platformer space. They have like the uh, Project Athea. Well, I guess has some square, but they have yeah. the Sackboy game and they have a new Astrobot game. And what does Nintendo have? They don't have anything. They're not even trying anymore, anymore really.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh what's what's the game? that those two brothers uh, Team Ember are making. That has a lot of platformer in it, too. Oh, yep. you were going to say uh, those two
2: brothers? Uh, Mario Brothers? <laughs> oh, no,
1: no, it was not a joke. It was the two, they announced the game later. I forget the name.
0: Yep, it's, it's the one that in it. I promised myself I would not forget in the live stream. But yes, it is oh. called Kenna Bridge of Spirits. <laughs> right. yeah, I was going to well. pop
2: quiz you, yeah. I
0: have it written down, which helps
2: a
4: lot. But yeah, yeah. that looked uh, really cool. What do you remember about that game, Kyle? Uh, it's the pikmin one. Yes. I remember about that one. There we are go. we talking about Sackboy or are we talking about... No, Kenna, Bridge Kenna, of Spirits. Bridge of Spirits. I mean, it looked cool. Uh, but yeah, it looked like it was like platformer action and then there was a little bit of having little creatures help you perform
3: uh, various actions, which is cool. I'm into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, about this time, I, it also stood out to me the kind of difference between Microsoft's you know initial showcase right. of of what next gen is to them, where everything was just very gory and disturbing and and I think even with with the kind of more traditional shooters that Sony was showing, it was all a lot more family friendly and just more creative and colorful, which I appreciated
0: creative, colorful, and just varied. It was definitely a thing of like we got something for everybody, which is a good note to hit when you're revealing your your big hardware here. Uh, So they also showed a game that was surprising called Destruction All-Stars. It looks like car combat, but you can get out of the car, but there might be a racing component involved, and it looks a little bit like Onrush. What a weird thing. Mm -hmm.
1: And I didn't fully understand what the point of it was, because the people on foot were just jumping over cars cool ways, and I didn't understand what the game was. Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, it might be a little bit of like a Titanfall situation, right? Like you're, you're pretty capable outside of your car, but you are more vulnerable. And then it's like you getting back into your car is better. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Totally. Maybe you just have to dodge cars until yours
1: respawns or something of the sort. Maybe it's like a diva situation.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, It is a PlayStation exclusive. Here's the description. Mm. It's by a studio called Lucid. Cyril, you want to look that studio up? I'm not familiar with them. But the description on YouTube, at least, is Dominate the glittering global phenomenon of Destruction All-Stars, the spectacular primetime sport for dangerous drivers. Master the art of intense vehicle-based combat through timing, tactical, and skills to cause colossal amounts of damage, destruction, and devastation in vibrant arenas across the globe.
2: Okay. So it looks like our previous works are Geometry Wars 3, a game called Switchblade and Need for Speed Payback.
0: Oh, huh. wild, huh? Um, do you think this is intentional? I mean, it's a Sony game here to bring back the All Stars label from All Stars PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Is this a connection in their mind?
3: It's a bad one if that's what they were going for, because because you don't have any of the any of the characters from any PlayStation games. So maybe it's a weird connection to make.
0: Maybe they'll like bring them in as DLC. Like, I cannot imagine this game existing and them not pulling in Sweet Tooth. All Stars is some a common phrase.
1: I don't think you need uh, Sackboy and Kratos.
0: But I don't know. They put it together. It's not two words, it's not hyphenated. I think it is an allusion
4: to PlayStation All Stars. I mean, it, the font was similar too, right? Or was that just in my, my brain? that
0: might but be just so in your brain me. oh hang it's on hyphenated in
2: all-stars you're in right PlayStation All-Stars. playstation
0: all-stars it is hyphenated and it is not hyphenated here so completely different branding from playstation right. no
1: plus, gary, <laughs> plus gary widow's writing this as well and i don't think oh be that's handy, right
0: that's right
3: <laughs> uh, I, I mean that, that's that's just a, a family-friendly colorful twisted metal right that's that how it looks for? yeah it's really i mean I interesting. They're going after
4: rocket league right I think that's I think a, good a little, little bold. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: next game was called "Goodbye Volcano High," and it kind of ties into what you're saying before, Jeff, and just about the variety going on here in different art styles and
3: creativity. This is just when Sony's just showing off at this point. They're like, we got all kinds of variety. You want to be a singing dolphin, land dolphin in a emo band? It looks we got little, you covered.
0: it looks a little bit like night in the woods surial was your take mm-hmm. on
2: goodbye volcano high uh it i don't i'm not entirely sure what kind of game it is i I would lean towards maybe visual novel slash like mostly narrative, not super highly interactive maybe like choice driven game, but it looked cool like the, i I like some of the a lot of the art there and and I like games that tell more grounded stories even even though there's like a whole like anthropomorphic look to it. I like that it's telling more of a, like, they're not, as far as I know, trying to save the world, but maybe they are because they're burning all those books at the end and it's called Goodbye Volcano High with a little meteor, so who knows, mm, but. Yeah. It
1: was, like, it was like, it looked like Life is Strange meets BoJack Horseman meets Pompeii pre-explosion.
0: <laughs> right, right. That's perfect. That's when it was at its most powerful. Uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. So uh, apparently it's, it's developed by Co-op uh, and it's coming 2021 to PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4. Mm. There we go. So they're starting to break down. So some of these are cross-gen. Uh, then it was fun to see Lauren Lanning from Oddworld fame get up there at the reveal of the PlayStation 5, going back to the original PlayStation, there's a long history there, um, to show a new trailer for Soulstorm, which is the expanded remake of
4: uh, Oddworld Exodus. Um, and I mean, Is it a remake? I always, even when you talked about in the past, it- it, it seems like he was leaning more towards full rem- or full like brand new game but I think it's kind
0: of like reimagining pulling some elements from Exodus I believe it's kind of like the original vision for Exodus which was rushed out the door they ended up making it in like seven months or something absurd like that uh, uh, okay. this is like taking some of those core ideas and making it like okay what if we had all the time to do what we wanted to do in the you know sequel to Abe's Odyssey and it turns out that it takes them a long time to put that together I remember interviewing him, back at game informer and they have kind of like a moon studio structure where there's no central office, but it's just a lot of contract work and different developers around the globe trying to piece together Soulstorm. And it's, it's been a long road, but I'm excited to finally play that thing.
3: Um, and he, he really emphasized that that was, it was going to be just a laugh a minute with stuff going on. And then the entire demo was just like the genocide of, of Abe's race. And it was terrifying.
0: Yeah, you had to have been there, man. You had to have been there. Uh then next one was Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh yeah. serial, you squealed.
2: You squealed like a little seal. I don't out think there. I yeah. I don't think I like a seal. Check the uh, archive. Okay. Right. I may have said Shinji Mikami's name at some point. Uh yeah, that looks cool. I've been surprised it's first person. And I thought it was I thought it was gonna be like a you know almost RE engine esque like third person shooter. Where it's just very like very dark lit, but it, it feels a lot, like more colorful than that, which is kind of the other surprise is that the art style and the gameplay look very different from what I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. But in terms of the concept, I think I'm still really into it. You know, you're fighting kind of like Japanese apparitions and things like that. You know, the feels like you have like a swat team with people with Oni masks descending from buildings. So all the stuff like that I've grown I'm into, up Yokai watch. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, And it's coming in 2021. Yeah, kind of like a glitchy aesthetic overall that was wild. Um, Then they revealed a game called Jet the Far Shore coming uh, holiday 2020. And it's another Super Brothers game.
2: Yeah, Hmm. another one of those many games. You can't get away from them. So like Sword (laughs) and Sorcery
0: back from what, 2011? Is that when Sword and Sorcery came out? Um,
3: It might have even been before then, man. Yeah. Jeff, um, what was your take on this thing? Uh, I'm super excited about that one, And, and it really came out of left field, and maybe it's just we're all kind of reading into it that it's a No Man's Sky kind of situation, but the idea of going to a bunch of different, you know, extremely weird planets and exploring them is super cool to me.
2: Yeah. I, I like the idea, if, it, if it's, like, my highest hope for this game would be that it's No Man's Sky without the procedural generation and the, all the intensive resource management, in which case I'm, like, super hyped for it, because I like exploring weirdo planets. Yeah. But those are the two things that kind of, about No Man's Sky that kind of turned me off, so, looking forward to it.
0: Uh, you're into this stuff, Mike. Apparently, uh, Randy Smith, uh, one of the original Thief designers, uh, he is helping out with the game design and production for Jet.
1: Oh, I did not see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked to him about like the history of Looking Glass for a couple, like a few months, but I never, I didn't know he would be attached to something like this.
0: Yeah, but it's yeah, really odd project. Apparently, it's coming to PS4 as well uh, this holiday. Then they showed Godfall, which was the first PlayStation Five game that we saw f- that Gearbox is publishing. Um, then Solar Ash, Kyle.
4: Yeah, I think I told everyone to shut up so yeah, I could you watch did. it. <laughs> so that's uh that's this is the new game from the folks behind hyperlight drifter um and it it looks it looks like it could be in the same universe uh it's a three d game as opposed to a two d game but like hyperlight drifter's gameplay could translate pretty handily to three d which is what it looks like might be happening here soundtrack was very similar might be um disaster piece again i believe that's who did the first one but uh i mean there's it has it looks the thing i like about hyperlight drifter is just like these like how weird and strange it is with these like giant creatures and like I don't know and it's super colorful and and this seems to be kind of even though it looks like a very different game gameplay wise it looks like it has some of those themes it's like really cool soundtrack really cool color just weird world with these colossal creatures and stuff I am I'm, I'm really into it I went that was the one trailer I went and rewatched after we uh, paused before starting up the podcast again
0: yeah uh, coming twenty twenty one it was like part of a yeah. weird theme in addition to just platformers overall, but the idea of taking 2D platformers and turning them 3D, where here it's like, oh, it's kind of like Hyper Light Drifter, but in 3D, but then even like the Sackboy game, it's like, okay, it's basically taking Sackboy and then combining it with Mario 3D World, or then Oddworld Soulstorm seems to have some of those elements as well. It's just like ah, eh, let's just stretch the sucker out. A whole new perspective for a new generation, and that's yeah. what the PlayStation Five is all about: is 3D platformers. <laughs> that um, seems that way. Anyway. I know. Uh, then Hitman 3 from IO, super exciting to see. And then they had a section here. I'm gonna have to go back and check the archive, but I don't know if they were teasing the UI. Uh, but it's just like this weird yeah, breakdown. Die button. Yeah. I think they're just trying to start to hint about the overall PS Five aesthetics, which is pretty cool and uh, very white. Um, then uh, Astro's Playroom. Mm-hmm. Kyle,
4: did you understand what this was? I mean, it looks like a sequel to Astro Bot outside of VR. If I right, I mean. Well, this I think is that's like what it, is.
0: it ties into like a larger question about this whole stream. Is just trying to figure out, like they said at some point or hinted that. The PSVR is going to work with PS5, but then there's no sign of any VR stuff here, including the no. game known for, I think, being PSVR's best game. And then it's like, okay, it's not Astrobot 2. It's not even called Astrobot. It's just Astro's playroom where we're taking some oh, of the okay. VR staples
4: and bringing them into a, a flat game. Yeah, my, my fear is that Playroom implies like a sort of an experimental like like the, when the PlayStation 4 launched that, you know, AstroBot was there as like this free game that you could like play with the controller and see how some mm-hmm. of the tech worked. That's not what I want for this game. I want a I want a platformer campaign starring AstroBot. outside of VR is, is great. I'll take that, too. Um, so I hope that's what it is. It seems like that is what it is. Okay, like it's so not just a bunch of tools to play with.
0: Yeah, so here's the description uh, Astro and his crew lead you on a magical introduction through PlayStation 5 in this fun platformer that comes preloaded on the PlayStation 5. Explore, really? Yeah. Okay. Explore four worlds, each based on PS5's console components. Each area showcases innovative gameplay that taps into the new features of the PlayStation 5's DualSense wireless controller. So it's okay. one of those t- you know, controller tutorial
3: games. Yeah, that sounds like an expanded thing of what they did with the PS4.
4: Yeah, as long as it's, like, levels. Like, I want some goals to do it. So, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't yeah. want it to be like, hey, see robots inside your controller? That's fun, right? So right, right. Can I, like, collect some coins or something here?
0: <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that was a surprising one.
4: Uh, then, just to keep the
0: confusion rolling, Little Devil Inside. That looks, like, <laughs>
1: below, but in open... Well, like, the... The overall tone of it reminded me of Below, but it was like open-world survival, right? It looked really cute at first, but then he was hunting, like, giant boars on the back of a tiny horse.
4: Yeah. Uh, I'm it's... glad you said Below, because I had that thought, too, but I couldn't really connect the dots. I was like, why am I thinking of Below here? Like, I, I don't know what it was, even. Like, I think it was purely the art direction,
1: and yes. then the more they showed it, I got, like, a Don't starve vibe. I, I guess it was just, like, a survival, the survival tone of the the whole thing but
0: but then it was that combined with shots from a 2D's perspective of an old man in his apartment that it's really stylized and it looks really cool and Kyle came up with what is probably the correct theory that that's (laughs) the old man reflecting on the adventures earlier in his life Uh, but apparently the game was kickstarted a long time ago and Surreal said on the official site that they had it listed for Wii U so this thing has been in the works for a little bit uh, but it's a super cool look overall. Uh, NBA2K21? Anybody? We weren't ready. We weren't ready to <laughs> see it. Uh, then, sweat. the developers of Octodad, uh, Young Horses, revealed their new game that we are obligated to love, and it's called Snacks.
1: That is when I was thrown for a loop. In a good right. way? I, I, don't, I didn't play Octodad, but that was when the stream took a turn. I guess for most people, they're talking strawberries, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, like, the only one, I would imagine. Yeah. I didn't get what it was, what it was.
4: Yeah, you eat animals that are fruit and then turn into that fruit, and you're also... Yeah. Then
1: there's a think, Sasquatch, like, hamburger man at the end, it looked like <laughs> it, when they went to save the village when it was burning.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you mentioned the, the last game, a game we'll talk about in a bit, it was inspired by My Hero Academia, but that's basically the power of... Well, a character in My Hero Academia is it totally he, is. You're he eats right. Eat food and becomes that food.
4: Yeah, he makes sure to eat squid every day to be ready for a fight.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it, are you so serious? Good. That's what that show is, or that's well, one of the yeah, characters. That, that's the one of the characters. So he'll eat like uh, like a lot of octopus, so that he'll have octopus tentacles to fight with later in the day. Yeah, you to digest it's the food first. Amazing. That show is that's good. It's a good show. You've anime it. in years.
4: Yeah, Dan's been recommending
1: it to me, and I tell him I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. It's not that I'm. I'm sure I would like it. I just don't. I have mean, time. That,
4: I think it's smart to not listen to Dan. I think yeah, that's a that is a good
2: instinct. But yeah. it is a very good show that I would also recommend. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. if not, so you can just it. you know take a quick little detour into One Piece, which is now on Netflix as of tomorrow. <laughs> is
1: that the is that the one
2: where he kills people with one punch? No, that's one punch, man. Uh, don't <laughs> yeah, be in it. One 80s. Piece is, okay, is an anime with like 800 episodes or something. Uh, okay. yeah. no, what's the one, in the, with, uh,
1: what's uh, the one with Gurren Lagann in it?
2: Gurren Lagann? I don't know.
1: Gurren, yeah. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> joking. Uh, I actually, when the Snacks demo first started, or like reveal first started, the fact that the strawberries were moving, I thought maybe they were doing a sequel to everything which would oh. not make sense because purportedly that game had everything. So that also I was very confused at this point in the stream.
2: Yeah, it's also weird that the second I saw like the anthropomorphic strawberry moving around and I saw the the walrus I think it was grab it I immediately thought, "Well, he, he's not going to eat it, right?" <laughs> the thing has eyes. He can't eat it. He ate Yeah.
3: Uh, oh, he ate it. Yeah. It uh, it, it looks very goofy and that I guess that's exactly what I want from, you know, the Octodad guy and and that was that was another kind of overall larger impression that i had that we have all of these indie developers who are very creative and they kind of had big success with much smaller kind of experimental games and now it it seems like we have a whole new generation tackling much bigger and more ambitious projects and that's cool to me
0: yeah for sure, I don't know if it ties in the idea of oh, it's easier to develop for the PlayStation Five, or it's just hey, that first game was a success, we know about it, and therefore they can tackle more. Yeah. Uh, the next game, of course, is Demon Souls from Blue Point. Uh, here is the description in on the YouTube video at least. Um, from Japan Studio Blue Point Games comes a remake of the classic PlayStation game Demon Souls, entirely rebuilt from the ground up and masterfully enhanced. This remake invites you to experience the unsettling story and ruthless combat of Demon Souls in unparalleled visual quality and incredible performance. It is a weird thing to message on a couple fronts for Sony because they probably want to say, like, how do you even message that from the creator of Dark Souls came this other game?
2: Or like, do you think <laughs> you they would- just say, like, you know what, you know what it is, and then just like cut to a quick shot of some character off in the distance, Miyazaki, maybe, and then you. <laughs> pan down and it's demon souls but like seriously yeah, it's a weird lineage. how would
0: they message this it's such a complicated one it's like all right we're we gonna step on namco's toes if we hit it too much or is it just a happy accident cool. if people don't know the history of demon souls and they just see a souls game on the shelf for the
2: playstation 5 so they'll pick I mean, it up you, you could even say it's from the creators of bloodborne oh yeah which funny also owns it'd be
0: really but, funny if they said from the creators of elden ring <laughs> <laughs> <this> people off <laughs> but hang on i mean that's confusing too because it's like well technically it's Bluepoint that's remaking this thing. So mm. originally from the creators of,
2: or like how the hell? I mean, how did no they do Crash? Bandicoot. From the re-creators of
1: Metal Gear Solid.
2: <laughs> from the remasters, from the remakers of that Shadow of the Colossus game.
0: Yeah. I mean, they just with Crash Bandicoot. That's an easy one, I think, but just trying to tie into that and leverage the Miyazaki and the Dark Souls, even though those are all separate entities at this point, it's just a tough one. Um, But, I'm still skeptical. I was so infatuated with learning that, like, the Shadow of the Colossus remake wasn't built from the ground up as a remake. Talking to Bluepoint Games, they say, ah, it's kind of like a fusion where we took, like, the core of Shadow of the Colossus and then added our Bluepoint engine on top to make better cloth physics, textures, lighting, stuff like that. But it's not technically built from the ground up. That's what they are saying in the interview, But then at the same time, all of the messaging for Shadow of the Colossus on PS4 was 100% built from the ground up remake. And it's like, so now I'm skeptical about how much this is actually built from the ground up versus another fusion.
2: To what degree do you think that, like, what what do you think is, like, the major distinction there? Whether they're
0: actually starting from scratch to rebuild this thing, like a Resident Evil 2 other than like obviously the design inspiration and layout and stuff like that versus all right it's starting with well, a remaster I don't think it, yeah i don't think it's going
2: to be a resident evil 2 esque remake where it's like totally different gameplay but the same scenario forget I that
0: even be, like think of like a crash bandicoot then you
2: know where it's yeah i think faithful, it'll be i think it'll built. be closer to that than than resident evil 2 so you think they're like
0: taking an any F7. game code whatsoever from the original demon souls
2: i mean i think it i think it'll probably be that game with a with a new sheen of of like graphics over it
0: Yeah, and then they'll just message it as built from the ground up, which is that confusing thing again.
2: That said, I wonder if they're going to bring, like, if that fractured mode, because the trailer mentions a fractured mode that they don't detail, um, because that game had, like, a light and dark uh, orientation of the world stuff where, depending on how many players were dying at a given time, the game would get harder or easier. Uh, And it was, like, a whole online server thing. So I wonder if they're bringing that in and if they'll maintain that or if they'll just find a way where they can just do that stuff indefinitely. Um, that, those are the, that's the part that I'm the most curious about.
0: Yeah. It'd be super
1: cool if the Fractured mode was an actual new... Like, every Soulsborne game has one of those weird, opaque systems, whether it's insight or just the general multiplayer, how it functions. Fractured mode, to me, immediately sounds like it's just like a rearranged... Maybe bosses have been moved around or something. Uh, I don't know that that's what it would be, but either way... I'm curious to see how it actually changes the flow of that game.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh next one was Arcane's Deathloop. We saw it at E3 last year, very cryptic and uh you were praying that it wasn't going to be a roguelike surreal.
2: Yeah. Uh, and it turns out it's it's more or less a roguelike. Well, I mean that's... <laughs> I don't think it'll be as like resource intensive as like the genre usually asks you to be. Like I don't think it'll be like a long form thing. I think maybe a run will be like maybe 30 minutes to an hour, I would say, uh, because it feels like it has a very high concept. Well, like, your goal is to kill these eight assassins around the map, uh, and one of them happens to be another player. Uh, So I think runs will be pretty short, so it won't be, like, a lot of research management. Um, But it is kind of thing where if you die, you basically start the entire game again.
0: Right. And, like, even, I mean, the definitions are always going to be blurry, but if you leave aside that label, which they aren't using here... uh, It is still a really cool concept, I think. Like, I love the idea of Arkane developing this game where it's, all right, take out uh, eight targets. They all have to die before midnight. And this finally seems to confirm that idea that it's going to be multiplayer where you're trying to assassinate those targets. There's also another assassin that has a sniper rifle and she's trying to take you out. And presumably you'll be going up against each other to see who can actually pull this off. I think it's a really cool idea.
3: Yeah, I I like the idea of them getting... A little weirder with the format of their games because they've always been very systems heavy but I like experimenting with i the the roguelike thing doesn't bother me i that kind of made me a little more excited about it, yeah, than like the other half of the room here but yeah i'd I'd like to I'd like to see what their what their idea of a roguelike is i guess right right. Did well, they then- actually-
1: say that it would be multiplayer is that what that was because when they first revealed the game at e3 what last year yeah struck me as i thought my initial like dream for that game was you play as uh you know you play as the male character and then you get killed by the the woman and then you swap or something because i I was thinking along the lines of because Prey Mooncrash. I don't know if you guys played it. It was fantastic. I think they it was there where they kind of proved they could do something like this. I was that, that had some roguelike
4: like, stuff in it, right? Mooncrash? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. If you played like Void Bastards, Mooncrash was Void Bastards before Void Bastards. It was very much, you get different characters and they have different traits and you're trying to conserve resources for the next one. Uh, but I, I wonder, yeah, is Deathloop going to be more along the lines of a traditional roguelike or will it be something that actually plays with the time in a slightly cooler way, a la Majora's Mask or something, where maybe on your final run, you don't even need to... Maybe on your final run, it'll only take you five minutes because you know exactly what you're doing, like Outer Wilds or something. I don't know. That's a totally different game than I think what it is, but I'd like to see them try. Yeah, so, I mean, they
0: didn't confirm multiplayer. It's just that thing of maybe... They confirmed at the end of the trailer you can control the other player, but maybe that Ah. is a weird thing where...
1: God, I it oh, right. else... jumped off the roof it showed her and then it went to her perspective and she jumped off the roof
0: right but if it was a multiplayer I don't know how else that would work you can just choose if you want to try and stop an AI from killing the eight targets that just seems like it's walking up to the line of being this crazy multiplayer thing and especially being the studio that developed uh, The Crossing which we got to see even more of thanks to Daniel Dwyer's Noclip documentary which was that crazy single player across multiplayer experience it kind of feels like that studio getting back to some of those ideas
1: yeah and and i just like in terms of their world building between dishonored and uh prey seeing them go like in a completely different direction with this one like that 60s futuristic Mm -hmm. almost like disco noir is super appealing
2: i'm into that yeah it looks awesome i I do i do kind of already miss the idea of getting another kind of single player long-form campaign from them because i think they are really good at that world building stuff like in dishonored and prey but you know, like, it, depending on the scope of this game, I'm I'm, I'm excited to see, like, what uh, what kind of other stuff they can do. And, like, the, the actual action and shooting in that game actually look like a step up from even Prey, which, like, they had fine shooting, but I don't think the shooting was the star of that game, whereas this feels a little bit more action-oriented. Yeah. It, look almost, it looked like bullet storm
1: levels of combos and whatnot. Right, like they the top, really- different powers
2: and stuff, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the site says it's going to be launching on PlayStation 5 and PC, uh, this holiday, but no PlayStation 4 mentions. That's cool. Uh, it's fun to make those clean breaks. Yeah. But yeah, this I year. Think
2: there was a tweet from Wario64 recently that said that, that uh, I guess, Ghostwire and uh, Deathloop are timed exclusives for ps for for Play, PlayStation 5. Really? Yeah.
0: Huh. It's also cool. It, it's
1: interesting that, if I'm not mistaken, this was the first time that they branded a game as made specifically by Arcane Leone. Because they, I don't think they've ever said, they didn't say Arcane Austin for Prey, correct? They said Arcane. I think you're right. So it's weird. I mean, I know there's stuff, there's, they're like, they're very much stressing that it's two studios now as opposed to like a co-op. So mm. it was, it was odd just to see Arcane Leon.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I assume you watched the clip documentary? Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. It was uh, very good in a lot of ways, but the part that gives me a headache and, trying to think of how he pulled it off as just coordinating between EA and Bethesda. And as someone who... Well, you too, I guess. Yeah. As, as someone who's, like, been on that side, that just seems like it would be a nightmare.
0: And, like, getting Valve involved as well, just that weird Get black Valve, box. Valve, EA, of-
1: Bethesda, Arcane themselves. Yeah, it's it was... It's impressive. It's a a feat
0: of emails and phone calls uh, just to try and line that stuff up. I don't know how the hell it's it's possible. Emails and phone calls.
3: Pop
0: (laughs) down for a second. Uh, Then there was a trailer for some Silent Hill looking game in the woods at night in the snow. Kyle, do you recall? Village? (laughs) So this is the confusing thing. It is Resident Evil 8, but they are calling it Resident Evil Village and then Roman numerals...
4: Eight yeah. in the village it's good design it's uh watching that trailer it's it's interesting because i feel like it happens so rarely these days it's like oh every rumor about that game has like been confirmed <laughs> not only <laughs> okay, confirmed there's chris but yeah. okay there's werewolves okay there's witches all right village yep okay this is everything everyone was already saying
0: it's like somebody, like someone
2: saw that trailer and then wrote up a bunch of leaks exactly leaves. yeah it does
0: feel exactly like that it's all baked into that first trailer yeah it's crazy yeah. that uh, are you guys digging it
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. the aesthetic, it looks awesome. I, I like that they're going for a completely different direction where it's not just like, well, we're going to get... People really seem to like the the Southern aesthetic, the Southern gothic stuff we were going for. So let's continue that story. I like that they're just, like, basically doing something pretty different. Uh, yeah. And, it... yeah, but the look of that stuff, I think, looks awesome. A lot of the new enemies, like, there's werewolves and stuff, which is crazy. I think that that stuff looks cool.
4: I mean, like, the... It's... Maybe I'm just uh, assuming too much, but, like, I, I get more of, like, a Resident Evil 4 vibe from 8, where from Resident Evil 7, I got more of, like, a Resident Evil 1 vibe, because you were, like, exploring a mansion, you know? Mm. And this has you, like, up in, like, you know, a village with mountains, and, like, there's more crazy stuff happening, because that's the thing about 4, is, like, 4 kind of went off the rails in a way that was really crazy, and this seems like maybe it might... Be leaning in that direction a little more by having like werewolves and witches and stuff. Like I, yeah. I'm into it. It's I so weird. I'm on a big. I guess I'm always on a Resident Evil kick. But yeah. I'm, I'm playing Code Veronica right now, and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally ready for the next chapter in Resident this
2: Evil. This is this is Good. probably the thing I'm most excited about at, coming out of that presentation for sure. And then uh, like there are a couple. I guess they released a uh, special developer message that has uh, some additional details. This is from uh, uh, Nibble Nibble on Twitter. Nibble, Nibble. Nibble. yeah. Uh so it's based on the newest f- version of the Resident Evil engine. It's going to be more action-oriented. Uh, no load times. Uh, it takes place seven year after. S- uh, it takes place years after Seven, and you play as Ethan. And there's going to be a new inventory. Um, yeah. So I guess maybe it'll have a different inventory system, which uh, I'm I'm pretty into because I think Seven y- used something pretty similar to uh, Two and 3's, right? Like that's the, pretty standard. Down. Yeah. So I wonder if it'll be a lot of like, like you said, Resident Evil Four, doing a lot of moving stuff around in your inventory. Yeah, get back to Tetris. Every Resident yeah. Evil game should just rip that off. I don't know why it's not in every Resident Evil game. I
1: feel like the more Resident Evil Seven comes up, the more people are acknowledging that it's just fantastic. I feel like at mm. first, it, I don't know what it was. I think at first it was. It just took a while to catch on that it was actually legitimately good Resident Evil. Right. I think it got um, buried because it, it was like
3: it was uh, the, the cool. VR, right? the initial thing was but but I think that's what the initial thing was like everyone was playing it and saying hey this is really good and I think the VR skeptics were like eh you know they're taking into account that this is VR and they're in the world or whatever but
4: like that became I, I think, a bigger part of the conversation yeah
3: just as we get further from that and more and more people played it without that stuff I think I also think it came out in twenty seventeen,
2: which is a a pretty stacked year when it came time for like game of the year discussions.
1: There's a similar thing with Prey, which I mean, I really obviously really liked Prey, but yeah, you had Breath of the Wild, Horizon Zero, Dawn. Yeah, uh, what else was 2017? Yeah, yeah. Near Automata. So there was a
2: there was a lot of like really marquee games that have withstood the test of time, and I think over time, Resident Evil's kind of got, like, slowly gotten its due as, like, yeah, oh, yeah, Resident Evil 7 was great, and we just didn't appreciate it as much as we did. Yeah, I'm liking
1: and, that they're sticking with the first person. I mean, I I don't think there was any... It, it, it's really cool to see how they're doing the remakes, like, the third-person action remakes of these tank-controlled games, but the mainline ones are continuing to be this first person. Like, if, if they do eventually conform to that three trilogies thing, like, design-wise, like, four, five, six, 5, these you know third person over the shoulder shooters one two three where these tank control puzzle based yeah you know what those are and then if seven eight nine do eventually end up being these first person survival horrors i think that'd be great arc overall
0: yeah it's such a weird thing though that like resident evil 3's remake opens in first person and they kind of tease that perspective a couple times throughout that game but it is just that weird of kind of like breaking their own rules just for the sake of Exploration, I guess, in her apartment, just to give a better view.
1: Oh, right! I forgot. I was forgot what you were talking about. I forgot that happened. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting.
0: Uh, were you a, a fan of Resident Evil Three? As a Resident Evil expert, the remake. Yeah, I
1: didn't. I found it boring. Boring. I, yeah, I, I, I still don't think they have figured. I honestly think they did a better job with uh, Mister X of figuring out the persistent uh, nemesis, right. so to speak. Uh, right. The nemesis in three just felt too predictable and scripted and overall i mean it was a shorter game obviously but it it didn't feel like it updated the ideas enough to for me to find it interesting
0: well what'd you think about the updated chris redfield in resident evil 8 hunkzilla
1: this guy yeah hunk hunk city this guy coming up with a silenced pistol and shooting that person in the face like 12 times what yeah. was that about
0: it was What's very weird
1: doing?
3: well where to make sure they're dead
1: silver what? bullets maybe what is crino- you suppressors make silver bullets not work i'm just joking i've never <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, really
2: interesting like, that game you really, could have, you really could have wrote this along a lot further than you did. And you it's come a suppressor
1: gone. that makes the bullet silver on the way through it. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, didn't even think, I didn't
0: even think about that. Mm-hmm. It, it is going to be a novelty to have a silver bullet in your Resident Evil inventory. That's exactly, that's going to be that the is, game.
1: It that, that has to. That'll be one of the, oh. um, what game was that? I mean, there's uh, the Metro games, bullets were also currency, but. Right. I wasn't there? Was it Resident Evil? One of the games size? that had some bullets were more powerful. No, that was Metro. The ones that you could yeah. use as it had, high, it oh, had regular oh. and like high grade military. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, if You had silver
4: bullets. You had to manage. But I mean, the werewolves. I mean, that's just another version of the virus, right? I mean, it's not going to conform so. to the well, yeah, rules. Of, one, like... Wait,
0: Kyle, are you right now know. saying there will not be silver bullets in Resident Evil Eight? Because you are out of your effing mind.
4: Uh, do you wanna well, make, make that I bet? I heard that if you have a silencer, like it makes the. useless. So I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Seriously, do you wanna make that bet, Kyle? No, I don't know. Well that's <laughs> the I point it's of a gonna bet. Be like, I don't think I don't think Ethan's gonna be like uh oh, werewolves. I gotta get some wooden stakes and some silver bullets. It's gonna, it's just gonna be another version of a virus. That, that you know, no That way. old
1: man who's been living in a cabin in a werewolf-infested woods must have figured it out by now, <laughs> unless right. they go a different direction with it. And it's like, oh, it turns out gummy bullets kill these things, and mm-hmm, that's what yeah. you have to I mean, use.
2: I, I would, I would probably like if we were gonna say that they're not gonna abide by rule. I would say it's like the the full moon stuff. Like I don't think that they're they're gonna um. be bound by the rules of the full moon. They did show a moon on
1: the castle door, right? In that's the, true. Set in stone. Yeah,
4: that's true. And everyone knows that the virus reacts to moonlight. But what
0: you if there's? What if that? this is just oh, witches, guys? Yeah, this is just oh, yeah, some witches. freaky thing in Europe where, like, the virus probably hasn't even reached there. This is yeah. just witches and werewolves and good
4: old fashioned freakery. I mean, I would love that. That would be a huge twist if it was like the whole game. You're like, I got to figure out where this virus is coming from. And then at the end, you just find a book that's like, it ain't I, it ain't viruses, Ethan, you fool. Yeah. The virus <laughs> is, is folklore. Real. You best start believing in ghost stories,
2: Ethan. You're in one. If the last boss of that game is Dracula, it's just going to be a way different direction for Resident Evil. Why not? It just becomes Castlevania somehow. Yeah. It's like, this and isn't the even whole... the same publisher. Wait
4: a that second. <laughs> game is
1: the Dracula that everybody forgot about, where he goes back to London and teleports through coffins. Yeah. Uh, Nobody ever remembers that from the book, the second half of Dracula, wherein he brings coffins full of Transylvania dirt back to London and teleports between coffins. This is real. Are you guys. This isn't a
4: silencer with silver bullets situation. (laughs) Mike, we're aware that you
0: read books. You can't come on this podcast just to brag about your Dracula knowledge. Tim Turry always
1: talks about this, too. There is a, It's not even the back half. It's like the whole going up through the village to the castle and the Dracula sh- That's like one-third of Dracula. The back half is very weird, and he brings a series of coffins back to London to put in basements. He can teleport between them as long as they have Transylvanian dirt in them, and he's pretty much trying to take over London. It's batshit.
0: No pun intended. Wow. <laughs> Guano. Uh, yeah. Then... <laughs> there was a very confusing trailer with what looked like the um, Kojima Productions mascot, Homo Ludens himself, walking down the streets of New York City with holograms straight out of <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn, but it was not that. This is a Capcom game called Pragmata. 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 Uh, releasing in 2022. Weird. I thought this looked awesome.
2: Yeah. It looked really cool. I was trying to track down which development team made it, and they are very tight-lipped about it. It doesn't seem... Like, who knows which team at Capcom made it. Weird. Uh, but I'm very curious to see what the lineage of that developer is. But that game looks really cool.
0: Yeah. It, so, some sort of hologram crazy world where the player is stranded on the moon but is projecting their life back to New York. Like, the lore that they're trying to set up there is so confusing and i'm starting to get really excited about it and then i remember that um at the ps4 big reveal event they showed deep down and that never came out so i was
3: just <laughs> gonna say that yes <laughs> this, from the, that, that, from this one down gets Beach. my deep down award oh. <laughs> is that actually ever gonna happen
0: right and if it is probably not 2022 this could be like a 2023 or i don't recall deep down what is this deep down was it eventually said they were going to make it free to play but at the ps4 launch they showed footage and it looked very Dark Souls where you're fighting a giant dragon or snake and then... Everyone it, thought
4: maybe it was Dragon's Dogma 2, I think, right, when it first like, appeared.
0: Right. And then the crazy thing, it was all medieval and then there were like flashes and teases. Like, it was all this medieval thing and then at the end, like, the character got a text message from... Um, Blanca from Street Fighter. So it's like, what is this world? (laughs) What's happening Mm, here? Gotcha. We never found out. Still considered upcoming, according to Wikipedia. I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. Uh, Then, the grand finale, in a way, uh, the New Horizon game, which we had a lot of theories about the name, and it turns out, we all have to say at the same time, the name is... Horizon, Horizon, Forbidden West. West, Horizon Two,
3: Forbidden West, oh. Forbidden West, yeah, Forbidden
0: West, yeah. because we're moving to California, folks. Uh, Aloy's packing up the truck, heading out there. Uh, what do the we think? Carnivore dinosaur. A <laughs> uh, uh, surprised they didn't use that. It was. A, it would have been a slam dunk.
4: <laughs> it would have been sweet. Uh, they did not give a date for it that I could see, anyway. Yeah, I think everyone who assumed we were going to see it were like, "Well, it's obviously a PS5 launch title." Yeah.
3: But now it's like, "I
4: don't know if that's the case." That is odd. Uh, what do you all think?
3: Looks great. I was I'm, I am super I'm super excited and I think the the thing that got me excited about it was just the sheer variety of environments that they showed. Because a lot of I mean, I I super enjoyed the first game, but but it was kind of, it was very similar environments that you were going through. And then the DLC that they added kind of brought you to a slightly different, you know, environment. But this was, was really crazy in terms, and also very, you know, another one of those games where it seems like it's a new edict for Sony of like, you got to get a lot of color and a lot of like creative environments into your games now at this point, because yeah. it was really, it was really pushing it.
0: For sure, even just showing underwater environments. It looks like Aloy, Aloy can swim underwater, mm-hmm. which is probably going to be a big new feature here in this one. There's an interesting shot where it's like a mossy turtle creature that slowly stands up out of the water. And look, it looks so much like the mossy turtle creature that slowly stands up in God of War, but still awesome, no matter which studio's making it. Uh, let's see. They showed what looks like a new evil tribe that have woolly mammoth looking robots which are very Mama sweet kill. uh then like even a boar stuff like that so it seems cool
3: yeah a huge environments
2: too yeah so that, story she was, wise, that she was riding around in i don't remember much about the ending of horizon zero dawn but this feels more like the continuing tales of Aloy more than a direct continuation of what happened in the first game am i reading that right well, well, and- well i mean
3: they, they did a good job of Sorry, what was that, Kyle?
2: Uh, probably what you were about to say, Jeff, is
4: that it ends pretty conclusively. Like, it, yeah. it has a nice ending for Aloy, and Frozen yeah. Wild
2: doesn't throw like doesn't throw any new twists or anything onto that. Because I, I haven't played the DLC.
3: No, I I think that was kind of, that was more of a kind of side story thing that you you also wrapped up in okay. in that they they did kind of they teased the villain who they showed in this trailer as. He, he was kind of the holdover thing that they showed after credits that he was, you know, up to no good. And apparently this is what he was up to. But okay. this this seems like it's it's kind of a new some kind of new threat of like there's a virus or something that's infecting, you know, biological life in the world. And there's maybe? also a
0: shot of like meteors coming down that looks ominous or something some sort of red meteor-like thing in the sky, so good tease, good name. Uh, I'm just shocked, yeah, that it's not confirmed for launch at this point, but they definitely said more to come. I'm sure it's going to be a PlayStation state of play in the future focused on Horizon Forbidden West.
1: Did you all really enjoy Zero Dawn? This is not, like, bait for anything. I'm one of those people who, for some reason, it didn't (laughs) click all that well. I... Uh I, I will say that going back, I, I replayed it, and I will say that more than most open-world games i played, I actually really enjoyed what they did with the actual overarching story. Yeah. Most open-world games, by the end, I don't give a shit about the story. Right. With that one, I think they did a really good job And when you're in the bunker and everything, figuring stuff out. But I, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain why I found that game to be a bit lifeless. Um, the combat itself... Grew on me over time, but I did feel like very, I was trying to be methodical and it just wanted me to be scrappier than I thought it was allowing for. But I need to revisit it because I, I appreciate the craft of it, but it didn't really click with me too well.
0: I do feel like a good way to revisit it is to go through Frozen Wilds. I'm kind of tempted to go through Frozen Wilds at this point just to kind of refresh myself right before jumping into the new one. But Jeff, I mean, you reviewed it for Game of Form. You gave it like an 8.75 and it was, it was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, it's it's pretty Far Cry-ish though.
3: Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I gave it an eight seven five, so it was. I I feel like my opinion always gets boiled down to me sounding very negative about games that I actually do enjoy a lot. But there, uh, but the my my main criticism of that game was, yeah, there was still a lot of going into bandit camps and clearing everyone out, and you know, crawling up towers in order to kind of survey the overall world and stuff. But I I super enjoyed the storytelling in the world that they were creating and then also fighting giant robot dinosaurs. So
0: always good. Uh super exciting to see. Uh then they went into kind of, you know, we're just gonna show some visualizations, more of kind of like the the artistic theme of the console for the PlayStation 5 here, it seems like it's very focused on white and blue little balls that help show off the haptic feedback in the controller, a lot of cool effects like that. Uh, and then the camera pulls out, and they're actually revealing the PlayStation 5 hardware, which you can look at the reaction in our YouTube video. Uh,
4: Kyle, you seem to be the first to say, I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm still excited to get that thing and play games on it, but, like, yeah, my initial reaction was like, uh, eh, I don't like that. It looks like a prop that would exist in a, a movie or a show that takes place in the future that's, like, <laughs> n- not very good. Like, it's like just sort of, like, underwhelming sci-fi design to me. I don't know. It just... I don't... I think it's also, like... It looks futuristic, but I d- tend to prefer like like that modernist sort of look. Like I like the look of the Xbox Series X because it's like really simple and just sharp edges and stuff right. like that. This just, it, a lot of people online are saying it looks like a router, and I totally agree with that. It looks like a a router, and yeah, I wasn't I wasn't charmed by it. No. Yeah,
2: in so far as it like the look of a console actually matters, I think it looks kind of tacky. Yeah. But I I, I like I said it, it doesn't seem like it matters too much, but it's weird that it has. One USB and one USB-C port, which is going to be weird. I think people are going to have some issues with that at first. Why is to Well, they're probably going to want to plug in more than one USB thing. And just like the transition over to USB-C will probably be a little weird. Of, I think people will have to figure out how to get used to only having one USB slot.
0: Are you sure there's not more on the
2: back? Well, there might be more on the back, but those are always like... Those may as well not exist as far as a lot of people are concerned because people don't usually plug things into the back of their consoles. Yeah, the freak slots. I mean, come on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I think seeing it horizontal, which apparently it can be set horizontally, it does look a lot yeah. better that way. But you're right, Kyle. It's interesting going for that futuristic design. It usually means this won't age well. Like, I wonder if 20 years from now we'll look back and be like, PlayStation 1, pretty sleek and cool even. And then this thing like, oh boy, we, we thought we were in the future and we were not.
4: Yeah, I mean, PlayStation 3 kind of went that rounded, initially anyway, that sort of rounded look too, and I feel like that one doesn't hold up very well. Right. Uh, I guess I was, I was just expecting something more sleek. I, I don't know, it's it's just, yeah, not... And also, like, putting the digital version and the disc version side by side, the disc just looks like this like weird lump like sticking out the side <laughs> of the thing. I mean, that's crazy, yeah. yeah they're
0: releasing an all-digital version as well. No prices given fun. for any of these things. Uh, Jeff, what do you think about that Digital version strategy,
3: uh, that was super interesting. And we, we, there were rumors about the PlayStation 5 costing a lot, yeah, that came out based on some listings. And, and people were skeptical about whether that was going to be true, but I can totally see it being true now if they also have a version that doesn't have a 4K Blu ray player in it,
0: just to try and cut down any way they can,
3: yeah. And so. I don't know. I think I'm a, a little more open to it, to the diskless version of it, um, yeah. than I than I certainly would have been in previous previous generations. Just because I think I have all of two Xbox One games actual on physical discs and like four hundred digital ones at this point, or something ridiculous, right? So. Right. I don't know. I I guess I would be waiting to see what the price difference between the two of them is.
0: Yeah. Mike, what's your good reaction to that thing?
1: I'm into it. I'm done with the simplistic look. I'm done with rhombuses, parallelograms, (laughs) rectangles. I don't... I want... I want a Are you listing the, the shapes? shapes
4: that you see in your apartment yeah. right now? No, I was looking down and I was like, what
1: shape was the Xbox? I I, I like it. You were going to say cats. I'm, you looked at I'm, your cat and you said, I don't like cat shapes. I'm no artiste, <laughs> but I liked it. It looks like something you could like eventually end up, it looks like a religious symbol in a way. Like the, I said it looks like the marker from Dead Space. Yeah, yes, I like yes. that it twirls a little bit and it comes, uh, uh, well, who was it? Was it Burtz that said it looks like it's got a k- popped collar? I, I hate it, <laughs> but I love it.
3: It's okay. so oh, dumb looking that
1: I'm on board for it. It's it's bad looking for sure, but I like that it is. Ha! <laughs> <Huh.
0: laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, they also showed like uh, some accessories. They showed like the a, a new camera, media remote, headset, all that kind of stuff. No VR charging
4: charging dock, which
0: is kind
3: of cool. I yeah, yeah. But also kind of also kind of weird that you're going to need a charging dock. Like it, is, is oh, that I because mean, they plug, only I'm have video. one USB C in the front? Maybe I, mean, I
4: don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's only two on a PS4 in the front, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: but you can, you can use both of those to charge the controller versus this where who knows well, you, they I, might they might have a USB, the USB-C, but I imagine whatever cable comes with the controller is going to be a USB-C both ways.
4: Yeah. yeah. So you'd be able to charge it from the console no problem, right? I mean, But if you have one, yeah,
2: yeah, one if, controller, if it, you're it, just it using good. one, though Oh. Okay, yeah, sure. God, there. I want to see yeah.
3: the back I don't of that know. thing.
2: I, I just saw actually a shot of it on its side and I'm surprised that it's like if you can imagine like if you see the the one with the disc in it, it's rotated so that the disc slot is on the bottom, which yeah. I did not expect. I expected right.
4: it. The pooch is facing downward.
0: Yeah. That's uh, what it's called. Uh, <laughs> still pooch. crazy that they showed it. Uh, super yeah, impressive. Yeah, I
4: didn't expect
0: that. Uh, then Jim Ryan came on and, and delivered what seems to be their, their messaging. He said it in an interview a while ago as well about like hey, here, we here at PlayStation believe in Console generations. Firm, clean generations. Isn't that what you want? Gamers! Here we go. Uh, and some of the things <laughs> like, yeah, I guess so, but they're delivering it like it's a really attractive message and I don't yeah, know it, if that's hitting. I don't,
2: I don't know how I feel I feel like it's just them leaning into the into what they're kind of stuck with in that like we're going really hard on horsepower, we don't really care about compatibility. Uh it's a weird message to lean into. Is like, no, it's cool that we're, you know, you got to keep them separated. And then the song plays. Like, I didn't. I'm not <laughs> sure why they're leaning so hard into it. Yeah, it, it would
1: strike me that maybe the backwards compat, the lack of backwards compatibility would, or sorry, the fact that like Xbox seems to have backwards compil- compatibility owned, maybe leads me to believe. Like, if that's what you're saying, that that might make sense. It's them kind of shying away from even trying
0: to compete there. Right, right. That's interesting. Yeah. Still plenty more info to come out. It'll be fun to see the UI, fun to learn more about what they have planned for backwards compatibility, all that fun stuff. But uh, a super fun stream. Uh, And if you want to watch our reactions, the archive is up on our YouTube channel overall. Uh, Good times. Now for the um, worst transition ever, (laughs) Mike. I heard you've been playing this Command & Conquer remaster. How is that sucker?
1: Oh yeah, I like it. It's a faithful remake. It's, uh, I didn't expect it to take up as much time in my life as it has recently, but turns out they kind of nailed the formula, with Red Alert at least, a long time ago. Uh, what, 24 years ago at this point? Is that correct? Yeah, 24 years. Uh, the, the games are great. I've been playing a lot of multiplayer with Dan talk about him too much yeah that's fair Uh, how is
0: it how is it to compete in in red alert one
1: it's good um so like a bit of command and conquer history they didn't really figure out good pathfinding until tiberian sun which would have been three years after uh red alert no longer than that basically red alert they hadn't figured out great pathfinding by then yeah and i don't know how much of that is a holdover from the original game but in the remaster i noticed that as well uh if i was crossing trying to cross a river one tank would decide to just go all the way around rather than it didn't figure it didn't feel like they had that figured out there were a few mechanical issues there but overall it looks great
0: and it's super cool Um, you can hit spacebar to like transition between we we had a stream for the great goatee hunt like that's really the first time in a larger way i've played command and conquer i might have dabbled a little bit back in the day but i was struck by the very simple stuff about like uh left click to move and attack mm-hmm. what is that yeah. nonsense that, they
1: kept that going until i believe red alert three Alert really? two still has that yeah um because generals actually might have been one of the earlier ones that did the right click to attack but it, it is funny to see how much Command & Conquer just ignored in terms of like so many RTS that came along had population caps and, you know, like they don't want things to get too big. And I, uh, part of that was technical limitations, but also part of it was just because those RTS games, particularly StarCraft, were such a big part of esports that no population cap would just break a lot of the meta of the esport. But right Command & Conquer just sticking to its gun throughout the years, kind of for better or worse, like as the Red Alert games went on, those kind of got a little more boring. But... I really did enjoy the space bar aspect. I think that's the first time since Halo CE anniversary that a game has had that, that I've played at least.
0: Uh, I guess like some of the um, some of the Double Fine or LucasArts remasters, I think you could do it there. Oh, too. yeah, yeah, but, yeah, The Grim yeah. Pandango, I
4: remember, uh, you can do that in. Mm-hmm. But I do mm-hmm. think Halo 2, like on Master Chief Collection, might have been like the last big one, maybe, yeah. Oh, I forgot that headed as well. Yeah. The... Speaking of, is
1: ODST coming to PC soon, I saw, yesterday, yeah. on Twitter or something? Yeah, cool. it
0: is. I think they said, what, in the summer in
2: general and stuff? Well, I think uh, that, that they Firefight. recently, yeah, what? they said Firefight was coming to the Master Chief Collection. That's because right. it wasn't even on the Xbox one, but I imagine it's also uh, coming to PC. I do like that
1: Firefight more than Reaches. Um, but Command & Conquer Remastered, it is really impressive. Uh, we interviewed um, Jim Vasella, the producer who was largely in charge of upresing the original... Cut scenes. Oh, cool. Um General Shepard, I forget the guy's name, and I should not forget it because basically since they recorded the ch- scenes with General Shepard, who is basically your GDI commander, he's the first, like, good face you see in these FMV cutscenes, he has since died since the original recording, so there was a little bit of added emotional weight to updating these cutscenes, seeing him and his family got to see the new up-res stuff. Like, I'm sure they had home videos of him from back in the day, but um uh, Tell is saying, like... Uh, no, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was
0: just going to say, it... Um... It doesn't look great. No. Uh, I mean, like, did, what was the process of actually up those things?
1: So they had, they found, the oldest version they found was a storage closet in at EA, uh, where is it now? It used to be Westwood, but it was in this storage closet. There's was a bunch of beta tapes. So what, the resolution for that would have been 300 by something? Maybe. And they had yeah. to up-res that to work for this. And, and they don't look good, but I think, like, for this kind of remaster, I think they work really well because it's, it's a good-looking, shitty FMV cutscene. Right. makes any sense at all, so it works really well. Um, but just the technical process they had to go through with that. Um, one of the lead programmers on... Uh, was the, the Nod... Um, Kukin, Joe Kukin, who plays the Nod, the bad villain... The guy with the shaved head. Okay. He I he was also a game director on the early games too, which I always fail to remember. He was actually like on the dev side as well. It's just funny because like the bonus gallery, the preservation aspect of that game is is really great. The getting to see all the behind the scenes green screen things, how they did things, like seeing seeing the actors from these old games that are such a cherished part of my childhood like cracking up there's outtakes that you can see it's oh very my God, weird that's yeah. so
0: fun i gotta go dig is, that out
1: it's great yeah the, the, unfortunately you do have to beat like the whole single player of which there are like with the, all the expansions in that collection there are, i think 412 total missions what there are a lot an expansion to each of those games was like a big deal back then it was like, a whole new story campaign
0: that's insane
1: uh, it might be 312. Either way, it's in the triple digit twelves. Um, <laughs> and I love it. As like a as a museum of Command and Conquer, the early years. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, I love it's, the bonus it's such gallery. A... I haven't gotten as much of it. I haven't haven't unlocked as much of the bonus gallery as I would have wanted to so far, but it's been a blast playing Red Alert. I just forget how much of the original Red Alert holds up so much and how much more grounded it is than Red Alert 2, which very much went geo uh, gi joe bullshit red okay. alert by comparison is just stayed and it's 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 fun
0: i mean you say stay but it still opens with time traveling einstein and young hitler and like it is it is yeah. badass uh it is nuts out of the gate mm-hmm. but yeah fun to see also just jumping into it that music does not fuck around it's no. like i knew obviously you know hell's march is awesome and then there's so many other tracks and i was like all these songs are incredible Mm -hmm.
1: And they got the composer back to make a lot of new tracks on there. There There's so many new tracks that I have a hard time. It's the thing where I'm like, I don't remember. Maybe I just forgot about the song or maybe it is new. I'm not sure if they're different. I wish there is a jukebox in it, but I believe it's in game, which is odd. I don't think you can access the jukebox from the menu of the game. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Which struck me as odd because that's where I would I would love to be able to compile like my playlists. I don't right. know if you can do that. I have not tried, but sure, I sure. don't think you can.
0: Yeah, but it's awesome that EA did this. Uh Petroglyph uh did the work here and they have some former Westwood talent that actually founded Petroglyph. Yeah, and then the
1: uh was it is it Lemon Drop, the third studio that helped out with it? Okay. Is it Lemon Drop? Lemon Sum Lemon Sky? Lemon something. They, they helped out, out with it. Cool. I should figure out the name before I call them out incorrectly seven times. <laughs> That's fine. But, <laughs> but yeah, I love it. It's, like, it's exactly what I wanted from it. Um, and I hope, I hope, hope, hope they do it with Red Alert 2. Because that is one of my favorite games of all time, period. And playing it today, it's still fun. And it still works really well. Um, but a remaster of that would just be, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, here's hoping. I mean, people say, why don't they make new RTS games? There should be more RTS games. I agree I mean, I know that it, hype is building for next gen and stuff, but like, I don't know how much of a splash this had culturally, but at the same time, like, okay, it seems to be selling well on Steam, fans are happy, hopefully it, that's enough to, to carry it forward and have them keep cranking out those remasters.
1: I, I don't know. They only charged $20 for it, which was very surprising to me. It's cool. It's great. But I wish they charged more so they make more money. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe there is some business plan in place already to do 2 or Tiberian Sun and Dawn, because they released the DLL for both for for those two games as well as Tiberian Sun. Mm. So the fact that they released the source code for Tiberian Sun leads me to believe that maybe if they have it still, maybe they are about to remaster it at some point.
0: Hmm, could be. Uh, but yeah, Petroglyph is such an interesting studio because uh, they are releasing new RTS games that they're trying, and they haven't had a huge hit yet but like Grey Goo was kind of like an interesting fusion of Starcraft and Command and Conquer and then have you checked out their retro games they've released like this series called 8-Bit Armies which is a new version of a streamlined Command and Conquer have you seen this at all Mike? I've seen it I haven't played them They're surprisingly solid. Uh, I've checked out all of them at this point. 8-Bit Hordes, which is just their take on Warcraft, and then 8-Bit Invaders, which I played for the first time yesterday, and it's just StarCraft. Only like two races, and they basically combine some of the tech from the Zerg and the Protoss. But if you love like old RTS games, these things are super cheap, and they're worth checking out from some really talented RTS developers out there. Oh, and then they also... Uh, back in like 2006, Petroglyph released Star Wars: Empire at War. Yeah, the yeah. RTS. And I was—I I
1: forget Petroglyph did that. I played a lot of that.
0: Yeah, I, I booted up last night and played the the first couple levels and stuff. But like, it focuses a lot on like bigger battles, space battles, stuff like that. Uh, it's it's surprisingly cool. It uh, stars at least in the early missions, uh, Ramus Antilles. I was like, who? Is it Wedge Wedge's brother or something? This is the part that blew my mind. I then went down the Wikipedia rabbit hole. No relation to wedge Antilles, <laughs> <laughs> it's the dumbest it's not, thing. And it turns out, Ramus was like
4: Smith in the Star Wars. I don't
0: know, or but then this Ramus fella apparently he's been expanded upon quite a bit in the Star Wars fiction because he's the first person in New Hope that gets like choked out by Vader. And he's uh, like, so It's a sir, diplomatic is that
1: the vessel. Result, is the, the fact that they're not related? Do you could it be possible that maybe they originally were, but then remember, um, LucasArts lucasfilm did the whole purge it's like now nothing is canon maybe he was at one time and wikipedia hasn't or has been updated to reflect that purge or whatever it
0: was if anybody is an expert on ramus antilles i would love <laughs> all the info you have about this wonderful creature um great anything else you want to get off your chest mike
1: no i don't think so hmm i've been i've been i talked about what i wanted i've been have you guys played the
0: last of us part two uh no Oh. No, we have not. Uh, have you? I have. Well, you can't say a single thing about uh, it. But I'm gonna. I know. I'm gonna listen in on the deepest
1: dive because I I don't know that anybody else will be doing something like that. I'm sure there'll be spoiler casts and yada yada. But it's I like chump what you guys change. Do the deepest dive. Thank I, you so much. I was much. actually I was kept trying to catch up with uh, your Final Fantasy VII one. However, I need to go back to Final Fantasy VII. I only got to like the second reactor section. Maybe really six hours in. Why'd
0: you fall? It's a great off? game.
1: Uh, why did I? I feel like I started playing something else. That actually might have been right when we started Speedrun and I lost a lot of Mm. time to play games.
0: Yeah, that Dan Reichert fellow, which again, we bring up too much. He's such a little wiener. He just... Always text me and just be like, oh, I don't know if I want to keep going with seven. I don't know. I'm like, just you're like five hours away from the ending. You've put this much time into it. Just keep going with it. ah. And it's like he's begging me to like beg him to finish it. So not- then just don't finish it. Like I, yeah, I don't g- what you want from me, man. You Play what you want. I don't give a. Sh-.
1: What it's are you doing It's so here? <laughs>
0: frustrating. Uh, he's a frustrating guy. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, that's Dan. Oh man,
1: yeah. Last night when uh, he's he beat me last night in Super Mega Baseball eleven to zero and. I don't know that I've been that infuriated in a long time because he doesn't just outright talk <laughs> he does those like <laughs> those 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 Wario giggles and
0: Ugh. oh man I... my skin's crawling he's a great um, dude stand-up guy wonderful guy <laughs> uh Mike uh I hope you're having a good time over there at Polygon uh long live Quibi long may it rain as we all like to chant here on the MinMax show um any work you're particularly proud of you'd like to point people towards So it's tough because uh,
1: only five episodes of the show stay up on the app at the same time. But I do also every Friday I write um, like a column for Polygon.com in which it's like half recapping what we covered in Speedrun, but also has evolved into kind of me giving my thoughts on, you know, the 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 video games of the world, as it were. Um, So that's been fun. That's a nice, that's also like the most writing I do for work, at least like not on the side because most of my job now is editing. So I miss like long form writing stuff, but yeah. yeah, the show's great. You know, it's Quibi's pretty publicly been trying to figure things out, uh, but the show itself, we've been, we've been nothing but happy. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're like reformatting to do a bunch of like deeper dive kind of Bill Nye, John Oliver and inst- inspired stuff. Oh, fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's been change. going great and Polygon's awesome. Uh, working with them behind the scenes has been fantastic. Uh, I work like I mainly work with like McWhorter, Chelsea Stark, and Plant. So I do when I get the chance. And Simone de Rochefort is like is like one of the executive producers on Speedrun. So I work with her really often. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're I, awesome people.
0: I wish I knew those folks better. I've barely yeah. met a couple of them, but like Simone in particular, I, I'd love to talk to her about video at some point.
1: Yeah, their, uh, their YouTube
0: channel is super impressive. Yeah, so It's fun like, getting to talk to them. For sure. Well, hey, uh, we'll let you go. Uh, thank you for joining us, Mike. Um, do you want to clap out? Do, wait, do I, so do I clap and then just leave? You just or clap, clap and once kind of and I take... Clap a disappears you.
1: Yeah, it <laughs> disappears you really hard. Okay, but I don't think you answered my question. Maybe I didn't hear it.
0: You just clap and let the magic happen. <laughs> Boy, then Mike Mahardy, he'll be missed, huh? Good riddance. Oh, finally. Doing the Lord's work by leaving. We kid. We kid. Um, Serial, I wanted to unpack your brain in particular about the Destiny 2 news this week, overshadowed by other things. But Destiny 2, there were some updates. Uh, I know it was Season of Arrivals leaked, and then they announced what was going on, and I couldn't figure it out from my headline. So as the
2: Destiny 2 expert, can you explain what Bungie's up to over there? Uh, yeah, so they, they basically outlined the next few years of Destiny in a weird way. Um, so the, the current season, yeah, it's called Season of Arrivals. They have, like, a whole new season going on, but they also, uh, talked about how they were going to approach seasons, um, going forward, and they actually announced their next three expansions, uh, which basically tells you they're not making a Destiny 3.
0: Wow, okay, and these are the expansions, like, on the scale of, uh... House of Wolves, or <laughs>
2: what's that thing called? No, this is, this is I think, uh, no, because their seasonal stuff is the House of Wolves stuff.
0: Okay. The, okay. the
2: expansions are like the Shadowkeep, Forsaken, you know, Taking King. And kind so of they've stuff. announced three of those at yeah, that so, scale. So in 2020, this year, uh, in September, uh, they'll have Beyond Light, which is the next big expansion that they're going to have. The year after that, they're going to have uh, The Witch Queen. And then in 2022, they're going to have Lightfall. And, and it's so, not
4: season of the witch
2: queen. It's season of arrival. No, Nick Cage is nowhere to be found in Destiny 2 yet. <laughs> Dang it. That we know of. That so, we know of. Did, so this was all through a live stream, yes? Yeah, this was all through like a one hour live stream where Mark Noseworthy and, and Luke Smith were sitting, I have to imagine, at least six feet apart in these little director chairs talking about the game. Um, and it... Yeah, so it was like their, their big reveal of like, hey, this is how the seasons are going to change. There's going to be in Beyond Light, which is the one they're focusing on, obviously. There's going to be a new ability called Stasis, um, which they haven't said anything about. There's going to be like a new subclass for everybody based and just, on the darkness. Just to be clear,
0: Light will still be a large, huge factor in Beyond Light
2: uh well i think they're changing a little bit of about how that might work in universe i don't know if they're changing things like systems wise gotcha yeah is that the darkness which you know is the thing that the pyramids were like the the pyramid ships they're bringing back like those were supposed to be the darkness now they're kind of going back to a lot of stuff in destiny one uh that they kind of um kind of brought up and then kind of dropped midway through because they were like, ah, well, the darkness is like a vague enemy. We don't really, it doesn't really do much. So we're going to put that on the back burner. So now they're bringing back that stuff back. They're bringing back a character called the stranger who was in Destiny 1. Oh, really?
0: Uh, that people have been wanting yeah. to know more about forever, right?
2: Right. And um, so they're, I think they're leaning a little bit. I don't know if this is for Beyond Line or the Witch Queen. So they're leaning more into Savathun, which is, who is um, Oryx's sister. And she's kind of like, because there are there are three big like hive leaders that were part of the taken, and one of them is Oryx, the other one is Savanthin, so this is kind of she's like the the trickster kind of the witch queen, basically,
0: yeah, tell me if I have the wrong read here. Um, I was excited mm-hmm. about a big destiny announcement, and when the announcement is, here's a road map of kind of smaller I mean expansions, but you're still gonna be fighting the hive. It seems like no huge radical changes how did the destiny community receive this were they happy just because there are going to there is going to be this roadmap or were they hoping for kind of more of a reinvention and just like a a flat destiny whatever they were going to call it going into next gen
2: I think they really like the idea that there's not going to be destiny three because I think people kind of resented the idea of um having to start over about you know like there were some new abilities in, in destiny 2 like mantling and the class ability um but now I feel like we're at a point where we, people don't want to start over. They don't want to, they like Bungie specifically called out the the first year of Destiny 1 being kind of like a mistake and that we if we had to do it now, we would probably wouldn't do that um, because of the reset kind of pushed us back a lot in terms of what we wanted to do. Uh, but to that end, they actually announced that they're going to start rotating content in and out because one of the reasons they did that reset with Destiny 2 was because Destiny 1 was getting so big and even now Destiny 2 is at that point where it's just patching and like making sure that everything works with everything else in the ecosystem works. Yeah. It had to be such a big task that they had to scale down the, the scale of the patches because they had to test it with so much other stuff. So now they're just going to, like, I think in September, they're going to they're gonna cut out basically Titan, um, a couple of others, like what, some of those zones that people don't use, like Mercury, like the Mercury campaign, Curse of Osiris, people don't really play that anymore. So they're just going to say, like, it's just, you're not just going to be able to go to Mercury at all. Uh, so that way it'll make things easier to test. Uh, hmm. And they're going to start rotating stuff in, and the first thing is they're going to add the Cosmo drone from Destiny 1 back into the game, and that includes, uh, I guess, somehow the, the the Vault of Glass raid, which was the first raid.
0: Interesting. Um, okay, so that's what you're getting at with that tweet where you had that clip from Leo Vader's Rapid Fire with Bungie where he said, can you guys just add Destiny 1 yeah. back into Destiny 2 and hand it in the box?
2: Yeah, so they're they're going to start rotating stuff from Destiny and Destiny 1. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, destiny one back in, which is really cool. I'm excited about the Savantune them leaning into her a little bit and them getting back into the darkness. Um I gotta they- s- I gotta say, I, again
0: from I love Destiny One uh and then Destiny two, I don't think I finished the campaign and I, I felt guilty about it. I've kind of been somewhere in that C tier of, oh I've got to get back to that. I've got to get back to that. And it's like it's a good strategy for for Bungie, and it seems like if the community's happy, then that's great. But at the same time, I was kind of hoping for like a clean slate, better jumping on point for the next generation. You know what I mean, Jeffem?
3: Yeah, I I hear you because I I didn't play that much of Destiny One, and but I did play quite a bit of Destiny Two, you know, in like the first year or so. But I've been out of it for so long that I feel like it would be impossible to go back to at this point.
0: Yeah. And like when, when the reveal is, Hey, now you can fight Oryx's sister and it's going to be destiny two systems carrying forward. I don't know how inviting it is for what should be a potential huge new audience on next gen or just like a, a potential for clean slate.
2: Yeah. And this definitely seems more in line with their overall philosophy of, um, because after, you know, leaving Activision, they definitely want to scale down their operations as a whole. And I guess they're kind of leaning into let's keep people here for as long as possible. Uh, and like for new players, there is basically the idea that it's free to play, and there's like a new introductory campaign. Like with, with the return of the Cosmodrome, they're basically adding a longer kind of initial campaign for new players. Right. Uh, okay. And then you'll be able to go into the other stuff. But honestly, like I think, the Destiny two campaign is okay. Is, is okay, I think in retrospect. But I think Forsaken is maybe the one you want to play if you want to play something like that's like legitimately a good campaign in and of itself. Right. Um, so. Th- yeah, I'm pretty excited about this stuff. I would, I do like seeing the old raids. Like when Destiny 2 came out and it was like a reset, that was like the first thing that I thought of because I entered Destiny 2 basically to, to raid. Um, and so seeing those raids back in, I think, will be pretty cool. Um, and yeah, hopefully this makes them a little bit more nimble in terms of patching and so things don't take so long to make. And hopefully like they... They're able to add some cool new stuff, and what they've added, yeah, like with this new season of arrivals, they added a new dungeon, which apparently is really good. Um, I played through like most of the story stuff in the new season, which isn't like a whole lot, but it seems really interesting. Like they've reintroduced Savathun as being a major player again. Yeah, so
0: right on. It's it's really
2: cool for hardcore players, but yeah, just just shy of them like revamping the the campaign. For newer players. I don't think there's a whole ton of like, hey, get back into Destiny now if you've never played it. More like, hey, hot like play more Destiny if you already have. It.
3: Please keep playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I mean that's totally fair that they're not, you know, trying to court those of us who bounced off a long time ago and are, you know, trying to cater to the people who have been playing the entire time and Buying all the expansions and stuff.
0: Yeah, so. it's like detaching themselves from Activision. Let them kind of triple down on interacting with their community. It's like a
2: Patreon model in some ways, right? You want to you yeah. want to go you deeper, not keep spreading that sucker out. Um, and they do have that new game, right? Like they have that other game that they're making with Nexon, which might be kind of what. You know if you, hey, if you want to play a new game from Bungie, you know, which I'm sure like Kyle has like that affinity for Halo that he would probably want to play something from Bungie that isn't Destiny, yeah, uh, yes, very much so. Which so uh, they I, have that going as well.
0: Which there was news, and I know about it because I covered it on Kyle's Gaming Right Home podcast. Um, but there was news that there was a job posting from Bungie, uh, where they said that hey, that new project, which presumably is the one that Nexon is funding and they gave like a hundred million dollars for investment here, um, but that that one is. The job description certainly makes it seem like it's going to be an action RPG set in like a necromancer's dungeon. Seems fantasy inspired, at least from the description. Maybe they're being cheeky and it's all a metaphor when they say necromancer's dungeon. Uh, but
4: it's, mm-hmm. it was so specific. It was really odd to let details get out that way. What was, um, what was Bungie's like old fantasy franchise? Was it Mythic? Was that theirs? Myth. Like pre-Halo? I think was it was just called Myth. Yeah, Mythfall Lords. But, but they, but they, they made a fantasy RPG like, you know, in another lifetime. I wonder if like they're trying to get back to that or something. It's weird. Well, I think that's an RTS, though. Is it okay? Well, I thought I had some RPG. I've never played it. I just it's like that weird. You it's because everyone knows Bungie with Halo, but there's this whole sort of you know lifetime that exists before that of games most people didn't play like marathon and stuff the like before
3: that. world yeah right. I, mean, I mean based based on bungie's like naming terminology and stuff necromancer is going to be the name of a ship and dungeon okay. is going to be like the captain of the ship or something completely unintelligible. <laughs> captain Dungeon,
0: reporting for duty on the necromancer sir i'm the mm-hmm. i'm the dungeon now <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: anyways yeah i'm curious to see what that thing
4: ends up being but uh kyle have you been playing anything good this week or last week or within the last four years <laughs> yeah a couple things in the last four years there was uh, one that I wanted to talk about specifically because it's so I guess maybe random maybe it's not that random but I played guilt which is like one of the few true I guess you could say like true Google Stadia exclusives like you cannot play it outside of Google Stadia.
0: oh weird
4: yeah what and, are you uh, doing and it's GYLT and it's from Tequila Works and it kind of feels like it's closest to rhyme in terms of their gamography you know yeah and uh I I played and beat it and I really liked it. It's very silent hillish. Um and it also kind of does that thing that I like in video games where it's like putting children in mortal danger. <laughs> you, <know>? you love <laughs> like, <laughs> it? Yeah, like little nightmares, limbo inside. Like oh, interesting. That is pretty a father. Fast. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the father. But it's <laughs> like it's about a little girl who basically goes to like a weird twisted version of her hometown to search for her cousin. It feels very silent hilly in that way because like there's like an a weird, twisted version of something that she sees familiar. It's very silent hilly in the sense that like <laughs> the girl that you're playing as, uh, has like you you assume that she's, you know, a kind hearted protagonist, but over the course of the game you find that she does have skeletons in her closet. And then also like a flashlight is a major component in terms of like combat. There's not a lot of combat, which yeah. is like kind of winking at Alan Wake a little bit. It's just like a lot of things I like wrapped up in one game. And it's it was it's cool. I really liked it. So
0: even though we're both secretly rooting for Stadia more than maybe the rest of the internet, uh yeah. I mean, was this did it change your opinion on the tech itself or anything to do with Stadia? Was it more of a pain in the ass, less of a
4: pain in the ass? So I signed up for the free trial because they gave you what, like three months of stadia pro. pro yeah and like the reason i was like you know what now's the time to play guilt is because i have wanted to since they announced it and my that window was closing and it was so i i played through it and it i did get to, like it it didn't really change my opinion much like it yeah. works pretty well but like i played it mostly on my macbook on wi-fi and every like 10 minutes or so there would be like a little hiccup that was frustrating and what okay. all i could do was like press the pause button as quickly as i could you know, in case, because it's like a stealth game, so I didn't uh, want to, like, get unforgivable. stuck. Unforgivable. That alone is unforgivable. Yeah. And, like, in this game, it was, it was okay, because it's not, like, a twitchy game, you know? It's, like, mostly waiting around for a window to go. Um, but then I played on a wired connection on my PC, and it was a lot more consistent. Uh, like, way more consistent, which was, which was nice. Um, but, like, it was funny because I played it, and I, I got to go back and forth between two computers. Hang on. Jump between <laughs> platforms. Yeah, uh, you're
0: cutting out, and I just want to acknowledge for the people watching the video version, Jethlum's being uploaded to Cyberpunk right now. Is that just on my screen? I think that I think might just, just be on, your screen. Yeah,
2: that might just be you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, now Jethlum's back. Okay, great. Uh, so Guilt, I mean, you still have to buy it, but now
4: with Stadia, you
0: can just well, buy the game. You don't have to get the
4: subscription thing and all that stuff. Yeah, like it was like the $10 a month trial. That, like if I wanted to keep owning it, you know, in quotation marks, I would. I could pay 10 bucks a month. And I had this moment where I was like, you know, I enjoyed I enjoyed this game a lot. I liked jumping between my laptop and my desktop to play this game over the course of a couple of days. Yeah, and I was like, maybe, you know, maybe I'll pay that ten bucks. And then I was like, but I, then I like looked at the library and I was like, the only thing I wanted to play was Guilt, and I've now played it. So I'm gonna peace out, and I like I canceled it, even though I had like overall a good experience. Right, you know? right. God, that's so sad. I mean, I think it's gonna come down to the library in the in the long run because the tech's pretty good. Like, it's not bad. You know, it's like in. It, 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 I, I, the, the things you gain, uh, like, you know, no downloads and being able to jump between PCs and stuff like that are worth like, you know, every few minutes having a little hiccup for me, depending on the game. Some games it's totally unforgivable. This one, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, I just, I wanted to talk about, it because like, I feel like we, everyone slept on it. Nobody talked about it. It's like one of the, if we're going to talk about Google Stadia, it seems like it should go hand in hand. Cause it's like one of the few exclusives. right pretty cool like i I thought it was a good kind of horror game and i feel like
0: people haven't really talked about tequila works in a while now even like that remember they made that groundhog day game that no one talked about and we've both been meaning to play for a while now and we realistically never will
4: yeah it's so weird that one's a bit that's a weird because i haven't downloaded but it's like every time i'm like you know this thing up and and Rhyme is good. I liked Rhyme a lot, but it's one that just was kind of like came out and everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. You know, right. Right.
0: Oh, not as good oh. as Eco. Okay. I don't need to play it then. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what have you been playing?
4: Uh, like that I... pretty decent kind of, uh, sort of, uh, <laughs> hang know, on, Kyle, you, Are you cutting out a lot more. What's going on over there? Am I, I'm still cutting out for everybody. <laughs> yeah. You were a little bit, we were trying to move on and then you were, we thought you were silent and then you weren't oh. Okay. Well, anyway, check out Guilt. If you want to sign up for a free Stadia, you know, trial, try that game. Great. Jeff, what's your life yeah. like? What are you doing over there, you weirdo? Uh,
3: I've been playing more Monster Train, and, and I went back to Slay the Spire to kind of compare and contrast, because I was playing lots of Monster Train, and it was reminding me of Slay the Spire, which I also still really like, so I was like, ah, I should go back and play more of that. Yeah. Uh, and I did... And I feel like I'm just done with Slay the Spire at this point. Like because you like Monster, Monster Train that much more? Monster Train ran right over it. And I'm and I just can't go back to it. Really? I, I I think I think Slay the Spire is still the kind of the deeper game and it gives you a lot more options, but a lot of that just comes with the added length of a of a run through that game. And it and you know the drawback of that is that I'll spend an hour or an hour and a half going through a run, get to like the third boss or whatever and die and just lose all that progress and you know I could play two runs of Monster Train in the same amount of time and kind of get everything condensed down to a just a more compact experience and and get all of the same highs and lows through that but yeah and also just kind of it it does a much better job of giving you different difficulty options so that you're not you're not beating your head against the wall at the same would the same you time. would
0: you go so far as to say monster train has topped final Fantasy VII remake for your game of the year
3: uh no i i okay. mean those are those are much more different
0: i know different but at some point you're gonna have to choose your game of the year you got to figure out what's on the top
3: yeah i i mean i'm really enjoying monster train in the in that when i'm looking for a kind of rogue-like deck building experience right right that is my that is my choice for that genre but that's still kind of a a niche genre for me
0: yeah for sure well hey uh we got a lot more to cover here uh
4: do you guys know how this whole thing operates is it is it that like destiny it's kind of how destiny does it
0: yeah, it's a Destiny-based model. It's called Patreon. Patreon.com slash minmax 2 ns uh, We need the community support to keep this indie trainer rolling. Uh, let's see. Last week, we had the first real episode of our new show with uh, Jeff Cork, our old coworker called BetterQuest. Uh, it's on Minmax's YouTube channel. You can check it out there. If he supports the $5 tier, you also get access to the podcast version. Uh, it's my dream come true because it's a community call-in show, which is incredibly fun so the community calls in and they set a goal for themselves a quest if we will for the month just some way of making themselves better overall so people called in and said hey i want to read a chapter in a book every day or i want to go on hikes uh, at least once a week or i want to learn how to draw uh i want to get more involved with the MinMax community everybody had like a different goal and then the first week of july they'll call back in talk about how the goal went and then set the new goals that go along. But it was super fun. And even if you're not at that call-in tier on Patreon, if you're at any tier on Patreon, you can jump in the Discord. And the amazing thing is it's kind of like subtly an ongoing show. It's like the main show is only once a month, but every day people are in that BetterQuest Discord channel within the MinMax Discord channel talking about how they're doing with their progress, adventures along the way. It's evolved into like a really fun conversation. Jeff, I don't know if you checked that out at all.
3: Yeah, I I didn't get a chance to I was going to call in for, you know, the first month or whatever. Um you sucker. I didn't, but I have been checking into the channel and it's it's super cool. It is exactly what you would hope and exactly what you would expect from our community because everyone's everyone just all the time is so supportive in that in that Discord and this is like the perfect place for everyone to funnel those positive feelings towards one another and cheer each other on that's true and that's super awesome
0: uh we didn't get to have you call into the show but we had dan reichert call in in your stead and uh he tried to pull this move where he's like i'm not eating meat for the entire month of june the entire month uh and then it turns out he's still eating fish he's like well i'm not crazy i'm not gonna give out fish i was like Just give up the whole thing. But he was adamant, so he's at Pescatarian (laughs) River for uh, this month. So he'll hopefully call back in and report how that whole adventure is going. I mean,
3: that's good for Dan, you know.
0: Yeah, considering he has, like, a chicken smoothie every morning for breakfast. I guess it's not bad overall. Are those good? Oh, you haven't tried
4: one, dude? (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Thank you. I thought it was just a week-long thing, too, so... (laughs)
0: He doesn't. <laughs> I a month? <laughs> Anyways, uh there's a lot of other supporters here. Uh for Min-Max, we have beaten down Brian, who's a very generous guy. He supported us at like the uh sponsorship tier for the podcast so he could plug anything he wanted and he's just going through and plugging different things that members of the community are doing. So this week, down Brian says Hey, check out HyperDot! A minimal action arcade masterpiece with one rule Dodge everything! In addition to over 100 single player levels, HyperDot features couch co-op. Up to 4 players can drop in and do battle with friends to see who can survive the longest. The game is developed by friend of the show Charles McGregor, published by Glitch, Uh, and it's available on Steam. Also Xbox Game Pass, so just play it if you have game pass it's very fun if you like geometry wars games in that style Um, and if you're playing it on steam please leave a review because it's like two reviews away from having a very positive or overwhelmingly positive tag on it which would be great to get for charles over there also jake baldino from game ranks here i recently tasted epic victory in a Gamespot trivia stream with the minmax crew and my prize is the opportunity to remind you to support people working towards change in Minnesota and beyond. So go to actblue.com slash donate. There's a link below to learn more and choose organizations to support. Thank you, Jake Baldino from Game Ranks. We had a trivia competition which Surreal did not win uh, with GameSpot, but that's totally fine. I mean, fine. Uh, Jake, it,
2: it would have been a conflict of interest if I had won, because then it, I'd be advertising on my own show, which is very <laughs> weird. It's very complicated. But, so I intentionally, you know, kind of flubbed it.
0: Yes, but the winner of that trivia competition got a plug for the rest of the month on Max Show, so congratulations to Jake Baldino from GameRanks, and thanks for playing. Thanks for everybody that donated to uh, the GameSpot Play for All charity. Also, thanks to I Am 8-Bit, uh, very good friends of the show, I Am 8-Bit. They are selling... What the Golf soundtrack on vinyl, Uh, one of my favorite games from last year. Ronnie just 100% into that game, he he loves it. Uh, Also, I Am 8-Bit, they're selling the limited edition of What the Golf on Switch. They're only making 2,500 of these and they're exclusive to I Am 8-Bit. So if you love that game, if you've never checked it out, it's very fun. Uh, You can get the physical version for Switch Limited edition here, and it comes with a sticker sheet and a lot more fun stuff inside. And if you buy it from I Am 8 Bit store, you can enter the promo code MINMAX to get 10% off. Thank you, I Am 8-Bit. And I Am 8-Bit will ship out a prize to the question of the week winner. We had people over on Patreon submit questions for the MinMAX Show podcast. We're going to choose our absolute number one favorite. And I Am 8-Bit will ship out something, hmm, this week. Let's go with... Oh, it's going to be... Something good, I hope. The Donut County vinyl soundtrack. Uh, It is massive. I'll be opening it uh, later on. They'll send out a different copy, not this version. But here you go. So the number one question this week, we'll get the Donut County soundtrack on vinyl. Thanks to IM8Bit. All right. Jason Wojnar says, hello, Ben and crew. I was yelling at my computer last week because none of you were mentioning Wasteland 2 as the longest gap between sequels. But I guess yeah, I you couldn't know. hear me across time and space with a 26-year gap. I don't believe any sequel has ever waited longer. Last week in the podcast we're trying to figure out the biggest gap between sequels. I think
4: it is Wasteland 2. I think it even has uh, like the world record. I think I had one correction yeah. to that. While we're, while we're on the topic of corrections, you guys were talking about Fortnite and movies. Oh, and showing yeah. movies in Fortnite. Right. And you were all like, oh, what wouldn't that be crazy if they showed a movie? And I was yelling at my phone saying they are going they announced it already. They're showing a Nolan film. Because <laughs> they're showing it's happening. In, is it Inception or which one? they they haven't said, but they said they're showing a Christopher Nolan movie in Fortnite at some point.
3: Oh Are you gonna watch that, Kyle? I will. Ch- I'll check into it. I'm not going to sit down for three hours and watch Interstellar <laughs> or something. Are you going to Are you going to watch it and then are you going to stand up in the audience every time someone throws a tomato or something and like shush everyone behind you? <laughs> Be like, this is my first time watching this movie. Uh, this is so. I need to pay attention. This is complicated. Do These you,
4: magicians are very mad at each other. Uh,
0: Do you think Christopher Nolan? There's an ounce of his being that wants to sit in that crowd in Fortnite and watch his movie that way. No, it but took. He,
4: uh, colossal amount of convincing for that to happen, I'm sure. But he must have (laughs) loved
0: tech. You think
3: they even told him?
4: (laughs) I mean... I don't know. I'm
0: sure he hates the experience, but he loves tech and the future and stuff. So don't they think he's that's, a little bit curious true. about he like does some like,
2: like advancing and trying new things, you know, right,
0: right. Not inconceivable,
2: but uh, anyways, yeah, I mean, thank you. I don't he think he saw on his list of invoices. Oh, a million dollars for a Fortnite? Okay. That's cool. That's two weeks of a million dollars. Fortnite is cool. Uh, <laughs> they didn't spell it right though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Caleb Bohr writes in. He says, which new IP from the last 10 years, do you remember as fondly as IPs from your childhood?
4: Good question, Caleb. And this, is this, nece- this isn't necessarily like video games, right? Just like... I think it should be video games, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you can shake it up if you want to, but I think that's what Caleb's going for.
3: You can yeah. cheat if you want to, Kyle. Yeah, you can say whatever you want, man. You can just burp into the mic. Uh, I'd say... I, I think mine is Stardew Valley. Mine's also Stardew Valley, yeah. Yeah, just because it it, it kind of is already scratching that itch of a nostalgic... Thing that I had from my childhood to begin with. That's the so. thing.
0: It's like when you're already nostalgic about uh, Harvest Moon, it's tough not to tie that in. And I'm trying to think, it'd be interesting if either of you have a pick that's not kind of a retro game, because it's kind of easier to feel like you're nostalgic mm-hmm. for a new
4: retro game. Yeah, I was thinking just because Dead Space is on my mind, like maybe that? That's 12 years old. That's like 10 years though. Yeah, I mean, that, that's 2008, I think. First it's one's like, 08, yeah. First one's Yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, the other one is, like, I love the world of Iconoclasts. Like, I like that story so much.
2: But that's, like, a retro throwback game, too. Yeah. You know? Right, right. So, really, got yeah, yeah. anything? For me, it'd probably be either, like, Undertale, which I, I I adore. And I think I Destiny has become such a big part of, like, my life at this point that I feel like it's been around forever, even though it's only been, like, since 2014. It's only been, you know, five, six years. Right, right.
0: Yeah, but all it retro. feels
2: so yeah it feels like such a big part of like oh yeah I've, I feel like I've been playing Destiny since the day I was born but you know that's how not the kids
0: yeah uh, let's see we have Andrew Sanford writes in and he says hello minmaxers with the command and conquer remaster out now it really brought into focus that Hell March was the video game song of my childhood honorable mention to song of storms of course do any of you have a defining song from a video game from your childhood what a great question
4: um mine's uh the corneria theme from Star Fox on Super Nintendo. Oh, of course. I would like run around my backyard and hum that song. Like that was my action theme. You know what I mean? Like I remember going on like a water slide trip and like <laughs> humming that song going down the water slide because I, I felt like I was freaking Star Fox, man. <laughs> that's, so that's the mine. coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. There's a good remix in Smash Brothers. It's a good time. There's no doubt about
0: it. That's great. Uh I was thinking about it. Uh, I mean, I think the first song in Sunset Riders, my favorite arcade game. I mean, considering how much time I spent at the beach, which had an arcade, and how much I heard that song and it like defined the summers of my childhood obviously, the best time to be a kid. Uh, I mean, it'd have to be that first song. And it goes a little something yeah. like. Uh, which by the way (laughs) I was just playing this morning because it released on PS4 and Switch oh right the arcade version of Sunset Riders Uh, it's been a long time coming because it was supposed to come to Xbox 360 arcade and then never happened and so everybody's been screaming for the arcade version and so I started playing through it on Switch I haven't gotten to a point yet though to see if they censor it because there are some uh boss names that have not aged well uh, like oh, Chief Scalpum, uh, and so I'm oh, curious no. if they have censored any of those but I have to play more to find out but it's crazy because they have settings on there for like difficulty or the amount of lives that you have uh, so it's fun to see you know just as a Sunset Riders nerd how this version is different from the arcade version overall even though it is technically the arcade version but anyways uh, songs from your childhood
3: yeah uh, I think probably uh Tetris and Dr. Mario both are... Yeah, I was going to say Tetris for sure. ...permanently burned in my brain. I'm very yeah, sorry. Yeah,
4: but which, which ones? Tetris A or Tetris B? What were they titled in <laughs> the Game Boy game? Just A and B, I think, right? The classic chill? one. Mm. Oh, chill and Virus, I think it was in Dr. Mario. Is that right?
3: Yeah, I think probably Chill more than Virus. Yeah, Chill's good. Or, or was it Chill in like Fever? I think it's Chill and
4: Fever. Ooh, I think you're right. Yeah, chill and Fever, yeah. yeah. Well, since
3: since Suva
2: took mine, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna say a bunch of the Pokemon music, uh, like the battle, the main battle theme. Hey, uh, uh, are we talking trainer battle? or Are we talking random battle? The the regular battle, like the wild encounters, and okay. then also I think the one from Silver where you fight Red. I remember that being like, this is the most epic song I've ever heard. Oh, I did,
0: you know, is you knew is a good song playing on a Game Boy when you would just hold the Game Boy up to your ear. Do you guys ever do that just to like really soak mm-hmm. in that music? Uh, that's still how I listen to most of my music. Uh, okay. Stud Muffin writes in, he says, hey, would you rather Nintendo make a new classic edition for the 64 or the Game Boy?
4: Uh,
2: Personally, Game Boy, I think. Uh, yeah. I have more nostalgia
4: for Game Boy.
0: I think if you include
2: Game Boy Color, then I think that's when you start cooking with gas. So I think mm. if they span, if that collection spans both of those consoles, I think that I would prefer that. But then otherwise, probably 64.
0: Here's something controversial. If you could choose, and it can't be a Switch situation, if you had to choose, would you make the classic edition for the Game Boy handheld or being able to play on your TV? Because I think I might go TV. I know it's going to look uh, like garbage,
4: but I think... Handheld. Really? Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point of those systems is like, you know, recreating of, you know what you how you played it as a kid, like having the miniature
2: system next to I the TV is so right. important to the experience. Yeah, I guess you're right. And just- I, I I would maybe prefer the, the, the quote unquote docked version, just because it'd be easier to like display it on modern TVs, which would be a thing that would make like video output a lot easier. But that's just like a nerdy thing yeah. on my end. Sure. I mean don't get me wrong I'd, I'd love to be able to
4: plug it into a TV I just I, given the choice I would fall towards handheld I think yeah
0: and the problem with the 64 one is obviously it'd be great you'd be missing a lot of the big ones just because of dumb licensing things uh, like Goldeneye specifically but <laughs> and that's probably the only one <laughs> and and Perfect Dark but outside of that uh, but it's tricky then because it's like are, would they ever release like a mini console with four controllers because I feel like you got to have those
4: four yeah well and the Super Nintendo came with two Came with so, two. I believe so, yeah. So they'd probably maybe give you two and then you could buy two more if you want. Maybe. But. Who knows? But good question, Stud Muffin. Um, Henrik Jacobson says, Hello minis. Has there
0: ever been a fun auto scrolling level in a video game? Ever.
2: <laughs> does I mean, Oh go ahead, cereal, please. Does every like side scrolling shooter count?
0: No, it does not. It has to be a specific Those are all... level.
2: I mean,
3: I mean, even if you didn't count the main those, main... they're not fun. So, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you? Kyle? Kerouac is a masterpiece. I mean, isn't that the whole idea of those Ray, Rayman Legends games that you guys like so much?
4: That was going to be my answer the music levels. I don't yeah. know if they're auto scrolling per se. Like, it's a little fuzzy, but that was going to be my answer the, the music levels from Rayman Legends. Yeah.
0: God, now I'm up my head. I literally just played those like a month ago. I think it is. Auto-scrolling.
4: I think so.
3: Yeah. And I mean, think we
4: have to hold the stick down the whole time.
3: No doubt about there, it. And there are some, um, like, Super Mario Brothers levels that are like that too, aren't there? Or at least they start at, at a certain point in a level. They'll be auto Or, like, there's got to be, like, some Super Mario Brothers 3 levels. That's right. I That's mean, there definitely
2: are, of, but they're not yep. musical in any way.
3: Yeah. They're, they're not musical. Correct. Yeah.
2: Wait, was, it, was the crux of the question that it was also musical?
0: No, that is something that Kyle has thrown in to confuse everybody. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Poke floats.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess if you want to count Rest it, it it's true. Yeah. Still outrageous that that never came back that that is locked yeah. away in melee forever still that's why it's still point. the
2: best one yeah okay flips uh, that competitively
0: viable stage that everyone <laughs> loves love it <laughs> uh toby martin says hey ben and the cohortionist thank you i hope everyone's staying safe now that you've seen both sagas and they're all wrapped up which do you think is better as a saga star wars skywalker or marvel infinity stones Uh, Okay, so the Skywalker is all nine of them, right? You got it. I know you just watched them recently, Serial, for the first time, right?
3: Okay, yeah. Well, You you gotta include the prequels in it? Of course.
2: I think the Marvel ones have a better battering average. Oh, 100%.
0: Yeah, I mean, as a cohesive story, I feel like Marvel wraps it up. And maybe it's just so much comes down to that finale, and I was not a fan of Rise of Skywalker. Um, and I feel like, you know, I feel like that's the consensus. Yeah, yeah. It just seemed like they really they botched the landing and tried to tie it together in a way that's like what? Whereas weaker beginning for Marvel overall, a little bit squirrely, but at least like it's all centralizing to to what I would consider amazing movies
4: with the last two Avengers movies. Yeah, I mean, I I would put Empire. Like we're talking about all nine Star Wars movies, right? That's right. Okay, I would put Empire Strikes Back and Last Jedi like. Singular, those two films, like, above anything Marvel has done, personally. Yeah, interesting. But as like, a larger taking the whole thing in. I think Marvel's a much more satisfying, you know, story. It's almost
2: like they planned that one ahead of time, and the Star Wars people (laughs) didn't.
4: Uh, Emperor. Uh, Colton
0: H says, After listening to BetterQuest last week, it had me wondering what ways... Wondering about which game... Oh, Okay, hang on. My thumbs... Hang on. No, I'm breaking (laughs) down. It had me wondering about what... (laughs) Oh my god. It had me wondering about ways video games have made me a better person. Systems-heavy games, think oxygen not included, Room World, have inspired me to create better systems and routines in my own life. In what ways have video games made you a better person?
2: I mean, I think for me Dota 2 is actually a game that has helped me figure out how to approach learning uh, insofar as like trying to figure out like, okay, here's how you do this thing, you... Like for anything where it's like you do a bit of practice, which is, you know, play a match. And then you watch, you know, what I did was watch my replays and then watch other people play the characters that I played. Yeah. And see them how to do better. So it's like this, these three tools of just practice a lot. Don't be, don't be so worried about doing poorly. Uh, make sure you're taking notes and reviewing what you're doing, your practice. And then also making sure that you're kind of watching it so that you're watching other people do what you're doing better. So that um, you're not just kind of like practicing on your own and, and instilling bad habits into yourself. Uh, so I think those three things kind of actually made it a lot easier for me to th- figure out, like, here's this daunting task that I don't know how to do. How do I approach kind of breaking it down and making it easier?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say kind of along those lines, I think there's there have been a bunch of core kind of personal characteristics that I have just gotten from a lifelong time of playing video games and like board games and doing puzzles and things in the sense that they just kind of teach you to challenge yourself in ways that you don't get a lot in the real world. Like they're, they're good at simulating challenges and teaching you to keep on trying to kind of overcome losing to, to learn how to lose well, mm, you know, interesting to, to be a gracious loser, uh, to be, you know, humble and to, keep on practicing even when things get tough and kind of all of those skills. I I think that's the same reason, you know, people have their kids play sports and stuff. Those are all kind of, you're learning to be competitive and to improve yourself in ways that you don't get from, you know, just doing chores or, or things like that, you know?
4: Yeah. Good ones. Uh, Joe can see progress there. easier. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. Also uh, oh, they 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 made me like super racist, so which I think uh, is like an improvement, right?
3: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a characteristic yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Joe Holoska says, Hey crew, simple question. What features and games do you find yourselves appreciating more as you get older? As a dad with three young kids, one of whom is only three months old, I find scalable difficulty settings and the ability to play with a single Joy-Con on the Switch to be extremely valuable. Uh PS the Switch is the greatest thing ever made for gamer dads and gamer moms. Uh, yeah, I wonder, like,
4: the single Joy-Con yeah, thing, game is pro. that like a Let's, Pl- Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee thing? I guess so, yeah. I don't know, a lot of other s- single Joy-Con games. Game games like- yeah, mm-hmm. that's tough. Uh, Kyle, um, you seem like you're uh old. Yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. I mean, a simple one that even kind of falls under that dad umbrella is, like, quick resume and stuff like that. Like, modern consoles, right. like, when I turn off a game... I can turn it back on and immediately pick up where I left off, which the switch is really good about too, because like, you know, I, I might only get like 10 minutes to play. So if like, you know, a huge chunk of that is like loading up the game and loading the save, like it's nice to be able to just jump right in. So like, that's a feature that's like, I'm weirdly super excited about for the series X is that you'll be able to have like multiple games in that resume state, you know? So that's one for me.
3: Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Underrated for sure. Um the, I mean, it's usually considered an accessibility option, but not having to mash buttons super hard and just being able to hold something in for QuickTime events is something I will always turn on immediately. Otherwise, your old fingers would just fall apart. Yeah, I just, I, I, I hate that so much. And, and it, it, hap- it comes up in games and I will sit there and I will still just kind of press it too slowly until I fail it. And then, it's, and then I'll just have to sigh and redo it and kind of switch to my other hand so that I can press it fast enough. Mm-hmm. And it, there's, there's just no purpose for it. That's true. Uh, Scott
0: Bullard has a very simple question. Is Men in Black the Ghostbusters of the 90s era?
2: Yes. Yes, it is. I'd say it's probably the closest thing. Yeah, sci-fi comedy. Yeah.
0: Also, just cool like captures your imagination. You're a kid, like being really into the tech. I was really into the car, really into the the flash knob, all that fun stuff. The the noisy cricket, I loved. Like it has to be right. What else?
4: Genuinely hysterical too. Like really funny. God, I haven't seen
0: it for so long. I should go back and watch that movie.
4: Watched I watched it.
0: Okay, what else would be a contender? Other than Evolution.
4: <laughs> which was probably really. A movie that I saw, like day one in theaters. <gasps> oh, hell yeah. Oh, boy. Speaking of a movie I haven't seen in a long time. And you'll oh, never yeah, see yeah, again. Know.
0: It's just it's just Men in Black. I think it's just a, a lock here. Yeah, they did it. Yeah, huh? it's a good answer. Hey, Dunder wrote in and he says, Hey, Ben in the CLCs, uh, state your case for the best fruit and best vegetable to eat in the summer.
2: At the same time?
0: Summer. At the same time. Mm -hmm. Summer fruit, celery
4: for the summer. It's nice and chill. Yeah. Snappy.
2: Like celery feels like. Come on. Celery is like the tortilla of vegetables in that like, it's not, it's not necessarily good on its own, but it's like good as a, as a like, receptacle or container for other foods in that you're just kind of dipping it in something else that's like yeah, super then fatty. Then you and don't like celery. Well. You just like peanut butter. Yeah.
3: <laughs> or cream cheese in my case, yeah. The, the answer is watermelon and corn. Can we, can we move on? Yeah, Jeff nailed it. Uh,
0: watermelon's good. Uh, Dunder yeah. here brought up that a good ripe strawberry in the summer is very good. I mean, good all around, but in terms of summer eaten, yeah, watermelon and corn, Jeff, I'm
3: 100%. And I like apples. I will um,
0: not hear any more debate on the topic. Uh, <laughs> oh God, Mike. <laughs> David Gilman writes in, he says, Hey, inspired by your conversation a few weeks ago uh, covering the best games of the 2000s, I actually went and replayed Metal Gear, Metal Gear Solid 1 through 4 for the first time since 2008. Oh, wow. As someone, oh, very, okay. as someone with very I know. as someone with very fun memories of the series, I was surprised at how rough the games felt to play and how poorly a lot of the story has aged, which I used to think oh. was the best part. Games I would have considered top ten material, especially Metal Gear Solid One, are now games that I probably would never want to go back to since this last go-around went so poorly.
4: That is so sad to hear oh, David Gilman. No. I mean, I played Twin Snakes in the last year. Okay. I I still got into the story and enjoyed it, but maybe that is nostalgia. I don't know. I think it's still more engaging and like has my attention more than a lot of video game stories
2: today, you know? I mean, I I didn't even play Metal Gear until like 2008 because I think I got a PS3 with Metal Gear Solid 4 and then I said, well, I can't play this game now. I have to play the other ones. And I think like mo- like I think two and three hold up. I think I have less affinity for one because I didn't play it until then, and by mm. then I I already feel like Metal Gear Solid One hasn't aged as well as the other two. But I think like three, I think still holds up. I've played it a few times since then. But,
0: yeah. Hey, yeah. David Gilman, I'm sorry you are incorrect. You're as incorrect as Mr. Celery <laughs> over here. But uh, thank you. That's amazing <laughs> that you replayed all those after that conversation. Thank you for for listening and for doing that. Uh, Mick Manga says hey make a bold prediction out of the three current console makers sony microsoft and nintendo who will still be making consoles 30 years from now and who will have gone multi-platform
4: 30 years um well microsoft's going multi-platform <laughs> like in a year they already are. i mean they <laughs>
0: already are yeah exactly that's complicated but yeah. yeah 30 years from now microsoft will not be making consoles I think so
4: i no. mean that's that's fine that's not even a knock against them i think they're just going a different direction also
0: know? it's not a knock against them because i don't think sony is going to be making consoles in 30 years
4: oh you don't think yeah. so i don't think so oh, But man but Nintendo, you think, i mean they'll still be doing weird <clears throat> unique stuff right like something strange
0: they're gonna go back to the grabby extension thingies that's the future oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> and all oh, the thousand fold arms you mean <laughs> that's right they're gonna be just making sequels to thousand fold arms uh, uh I, 30 years Nintendo I feel like that's kind of a tough one I bet they also will not be making a console
4: uh, so are you just thinking of like a sci-fi future where the hardware isn't really something that people buy necessarily <laughs> yeah I mean honestly like you know I think it'll all just be some some wacky you know streaming I something. want to say
0: Chromecast but that's you willing to bet we have now. on that I'm willing to bet that in $30 any, one for every year in 2050 50. Nintendo will not be releasing new systems But we'll still be making podcasts. Hell yeah, we'll be here talking about all those good Nintendo brain
4: implants. Does anyone (laughs) think 30 years from now, the big three are still going to be rolling? I think Nintendo might. I think maybe, like, you won't buy, like, a box, but maybe you'll buy a weird controller. Like, they'll have some strange controller that plays the new streaming thing that they're doing, you know? Like, there'll be some hardware you buy, but, I mean, that's sort sort of semantics. I don't think, I think... I don't know if it'll be a console necessarily, you
3: know. No, I I feel like Nintendo could be the first one to just say, all right, we're just gonna we're just gonna make the games and make all the money that we make on the games by putting them other places. Really? I feel like, like they've, they've already started doing with mobile games.
0: I mean, compared well, to the touch. other two though, like there's no way and like yeah. uh, maybe it was more of an Awada messaging, uh, but they're the seems like the biggest messengers at least of like you need to play our games on Nintendo platforms.
4: I mean, and to Other give Mario iPhone was, like, pulling teeth. I mean, it took forever, and it took investors being like, are you crazy? Like, you guys
0: need and to do And now
3: they're making buttloads of their money doing it. Yeah, but it. they're not
0: not—they're not porting their games, Jeff. It's some gotcha freak show over there for Fire Emblem. That's not
3: the same. <laughs> so just wait until they make a gotcha freak show that makes them way more money than anything they're doing on the Switch or the next Switch.
2: Boo, cynic. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Uh, All right, Mario on Xbox, 2022, you heard it here first. You got it. You heard it. Alright, so that Destiny expansion. Crab Palace says, yeah, hey. Mario. Crab
0: Palace says, hello, Ben Handstand and the Twirlers. I don't know if I've ever heard somebody say Handstand instead of handstand. and that's, that's saying a lot, because a lot of people have put twists on my name throughout the years. Uh, good job, Crab Palace, and you can tell Crab Palace is creative for where this is going. My friends and I have invented an incredible game called Inspector Cheeks. <laughs> Okay. One person, the inspector, leaves the room. Everyone else remains in the room. The suspects inflate their cheeks like their mouth is full, apart from one person who actually has a mouthful of whatever they've been drinking. The inspector then returns. They have to deduce who has the drink in their mouth, and the only way to narrow it down is by choosing someone that they think has an empty mouth, getting close to their face, and squeezing their cheeks in really hard. (laughs) so if they pick someone with an empty mouth they get a point and they move on to another suspect if they pick someone with a full mouth the drink
3: gets spat on them not Uh, a great game to play during a global pandemic
0: I know that was the problem. Is like I was so into this idea, reading this. Like I want to play Inspector Cheeks. That sounds so fun. And <laughs> I like, oh, was feel like
2: I was a little disappointed by it not being broy enough, and that I expected it to be like a slap instead of a squeeze. It's just like you have to slap them as hard as you can, oh. and if the liquor comes out, then you're right or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, that's
0: the crappy frat version. This is an adult cool, That's sophisticated right, take where you squeeze their cheeks. Um, Crap Palace says you may call this game gross. It is. But the two times we have been brave enough to play it, it has been one of the most tense and exciting games I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, thank you, Crap Palace. It's, he says, it's then, like, like a Mario
2: Party minigame, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah. He then says, what's the most fun you've had with your friends uh, without video games or board games? Um, well, it will be when I'm able to play Inspector Cheeks. hmm uh, I think of like um, it was like five years ago or so, Dan Reichert and Tim Turry and I went to Mexico uh, and we were staying at this resort right by the ocean. It was just amazing. And we went out there and just like played in the waves, like pretty big ocean waves were coming in. I don't know if I've ever had more fun in my life. Like the idea of like these waves coming in and it's like, ah, and like planting your hands down like as the wave is running over you and like trying to hold on and not get sucked out and stuff it was so much fun and so exhilarating with how powerful these waves were and then i pushed it too far and actually did get sucked out at that point uh and had that moment of being underwater in the ocean not knowing which way it is up or how far i have to swim to get there and so finally i got out like thought i was dying Get out of there. And it's like, <gasps> and I just was like on the sand, breathing and staring. And Dan's like, what's the matter with you, you idiot? What are you doing over there? And I'm like, I just need time. I just need time to clock my brain again. And then like two minutes later, Dan, the same thing happened to him and he lost it. It was like, no more. Let's never go near the ocean again. Like this thing will kill <laughs> us all. So that's it. That was the most fun
4: I ever had, I think. And terrifying. And terrifying. Yeah. Uh, playing music for me. Oh, sure. Yeah, playing in a band was the best. And was it more fun to play covers or your original stuff? Um, I mean, among when you're just playing for each other, it's fun to play covers. But yeah. if you're playing a show, like I always had more fun playing original stuff. Mm. So I was more passionate about it. You know, yeah.
0: Did you ever see anybody in the audience like really digging your original stuff?
4: Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, we had a small small group of fans. Yeah. Oh, nice. Were they like friends of yours? uh yeah i mean yes and then there were also people who found us too locally i mean really? I, I got not to brag but i got recognized like walking around once for being in my band for someone i didn't know that was wow very, that's Jeff. how big we were in the southeast <laughs> especially for a drummer to be recognized that
0: takes a lot well i moved around a lot Okay, uh, Doreen Clary says if Minmax, oh my god, I promise this was not planned. Doreen says if Minmax Two ns was in a band, which instruments would everybody play? Uh, I assume Kyle would play drums, and I imagine Hanson on bass for some reason, but I'm not sure about Surreal or Jeffum. And what about I would Anna? Play
2: drums. Okay, so Cyril <laughs> on drums, Dueling drummers. Yeah. Okay, exists. two
0: drums. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Anna. Let's see, Anna. Yeah, the Doreen asked if she's rocking the keys. I think that's good,
4: like a good guitar yeah. for Anna. I, think
0: I could really see really like a, a key vocalist
2: combo going with Anna.
4: Yeah, Anna. yeah. What's that, Kyle? I was going to say, do we have a brass section going? We have trumpets, saxophones, anything like that? Yeah.
0: Anna will be doing that as well. She's kind of like a one man band. She also has the huge drum that
4: she bangs in addition to uh, your two drums. I love Uh, the idea of Anna playing four (laughs) instruments and then both, but Serial and I are both playing drums. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So (laughs) Anna comes in with like a a one man band kind of ordeal where she has like a, uh, she has her own drum as well where she's banging and she has like a uh, harmonica and like the, she also has a microphone there. So the microphone picks up the harmonica and the key. And also, Fava's there. What instrument
3: would you be playing? Uh, I I played guitar for a while, so I so okay. So you know Play strings, so
0: therefore you're going to be on the harp. So you're in, you're playing the harp <laughs> oh.
2: behind everybody, and then I'm yeah. slapping the bass. So you just learned the Final Fantasy menu theme, and then that's the that's the backing harp on all of our songs.
0: Yep. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> backing harp. <laughs> uh, Blake Kibby writes in. He says, in the interest of getting better. How do you balance video game time with your other interests and family members? Do you have a schedule?
4: Yeah, quite literally. You have a schedule. Yeah. How does that like work? There will be, there will be time. Like if there's a big game coming out or something. I'll be like, Hey, I would like to set aside some time to play this this weekend. And I'll be like, okay, well, would you play for two hours on Saturday afternoon or something like that? You know? And so. do you like write it on a calendar? Yeah, me and my wife share, like, a, a calendar on our phones that oh, we can both oh update. God. We have all our dinner plans in there and where Claire needs to be. Although Claire doesn't really need to be anywhere lately, but
3: that helps. Jeff, are you that organized with your wife? Uh, no, I usually just play at night until she falls asleep on the couch, and then I can play as long as I want. So. She
0: watches you play till she falls
3: asleep? No, she doesn't watch. Oh, she, okay. does, she, like, reads or does her own stuff until she falls asleep.
0: Right, right. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a... Schedule—it's just a little bit all over the place. But in terms of like balancing it, um, I usually just try and play as much as I can until my girlfriend would be like, "Ah, how about not so much?" And that's that's my cue then to stop. Um, but Blake, you <laughs> should play more so video much. games. Yeah, Cyril, <laughs> do you are you uh militant about
2: trying to limit your time? Uh, not, I, I mean, it, it, especially now, it's been kind of hard to figure out what, how, like how to properly allot my time but it's just um, I think I just kind of yeah I don't have, have like a set schedule of like I'm going to do this from this to this I basically just say here are the things I need to do today at some point I'll get around to them and I I usually tend to you know uh, do I'm like maybe 70% in terms of like I'm going to play the last of us today because I need right. to catch up and I, there's a good chance I'll, I'll get through that so yeah but it's like with like staying indoors all the time now it's been especially difficult to like all right and time for this time for this except for like meals and stuff those are like the only things that i've managed to regulate pretty well
0: yeah uh matthew weatherly says g'day min max pals first time writing in as i am a new patron
2: new patron new
0: patron new patron new patron they were all applauding you just can't hear him as much um he says hey first time writing in as i am a new patron (gasps) No, no. Uh, He says, love your content and the community is as great as you have said in the Discord. Oh, that's nice. Uh, My question relates to how we value games in our minds. Do you think there's a danger that with services such as Game Pass, we may value games less than if we had purchased them outright? And then Matthew has an interesting point saying, I don't think I've ever finished a game that I received for free. Do you have this problem not valuing a product that you have not had to invest in or am I just a little bit crazy? I don't think you're crazy. I think that's a really interesting take of not finishing the game you get for free. We have a weird perspective where being at Game Informer for so long and even at Midmax here, like we get a lot of stuff for free. So I feel like uh, we're living in a crazy twilight zone that don't have a great read on this question.
4: I will say though, like when I go through Game Pass and look at stuff, I'm like, I want to try that. I want to try that. It takes like a lot for it to become something that I play and finish. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm perfectly happy to dabble with Game Pass games and it has to be something special for me to to see to credit. So like I totally get that idea for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I was going to say like, oh no, if you buy it, you're going to be so much more invested in it. But then I always just think back to like when I bought Twisted Metal on PS3 for 60 bucks and I was so excited and I played it for 23 minutes and then have not touched it since even though it's definitely in that back of my mind of like, I'm going to go back to that. I'm going to go back to Twisted Metal on PS3. So I think it's all just... Yeah, know, you can feel overwhelmed when you have too much, and maybe that's a little bit with Game Pass, right? But I guess it pays yeah. off just to have a, the breadth available for you.
3: Yeah, and and I think I think Game Pass may end up kind of devaluing games in a, in kind of a larger scope. I I do worry about people having access to so many games now, like. I think for us, it's pretty ingrained in that you know the value of a game because we all grew up spending sixty dollars of you know chore money on them. Yeah. But if if you grew up as where games are kind of this disposable thing, where the you have access to hundreds of them and they're kind of coming in and out when you have access because they're coming and leaving these platforms and stuff. I do wonder if if that's going to affect value. I think I think we had a question. A couple of weeks ago about how you know are do companies kind of undercut the value of their own games by putting them by putting them on discount prices and things like that versus versus Nintendo always keeping a premium price right i think I think was a was a question that we went through a while back and and I wonder if game Pass is kind of just further down that road of of how much how much value are companies putting in games to begin with? And then how, how many cues are we taking as gamers when we kind of see like, Oh, well that game's free. Yeah. On, on game pass, you know, like, right. Does, does that affect how, how you think about that value wise? Good question. I think it does. Yeah. Uh,
0: Daniel white says, why hasn't anybody gotten a min max tattoo yet? Does anybody in this room, I'm sorry. Over this Discord call, have a tattoo. Period.
4: I've never Uh, been a tattoo guy. No.
0: No. Uh, Please, nobody get a Minmax tattoo. We'll probably change the logo at some point in the future. So, for the love of God, do not do that because it freaks me out. Uh, We'll get Cork. Cork will get one, right? We'll get him. I think it's already on his sleeve somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Captain Stubbs one says hello, computer-loving cohorts. Hope all is well. This week, I have a new game for you to play called Game Taste Trivia. I have tasted a number of Switch cartridges and described the game as a meal. Using the following descriptions, guess the game I am describing. This dish, while broad and full-flavored, may be entirely over-seasoned. There is no single flavor to define the dish. Every new taste brings forth new players in the combat of flavor on your tongue.
2: Super Smash Brothers Ooh, Ultimate. That is
0: correct, Serial! He's describing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate on the Nintendo Switch. Um, this dish knows what it is, and flaunts it. flavors bring you from heaven to hell and back again. It almost seems like a magical combination. Diablo you monster no no oh, sorry <laughs> it's a port of diablo <laughs> of diablo no uh, darksiders No, of course, Captain Stubbs one is describing the taste of the switch cartridge for bayonetta one plus two.
4: I mm. mm. think you described any of these mm. as tasting awful because that's I understand Switch cartridges are bad. Like, you shouldn't eat them yeah. so that children I, don't I'm, swallow
2: them. Yeah, this game is setting a dangerous precedent, i think. and, and right. also wouldn't Bayonetta
3: just taste like hair?
2: Yeah, <laughs> largely. Uh ENT
0: Clark says has a, or asks, has a video game ever given you nightmares?
4: Every uh, time a new God of War comes out, my nightmares—my nightmares, I guess you'd say dreams—they uh, just get super violent, like, and it's it's directly connected to God of War, which, which is weird. Like it's you, like ripping people apart and stuff. Yeah, like like mythical creatures and monsters, like in my front yard and stuff like that. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's weird. Dreams are weird. Turns out.
0: But now the last one, you just kind of stood in the snow and cried. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. <laughs> Just looked at my hands. <laughs> oh, what a horrific nightmare.
2: Uh, I had a, I had a nightmare. It wasn't like while well, as I was playing it, but it was like years later where it was definitely, it was like a mix between being in a Silent Hill game and the, uh, what are those zombies called in, in uh, Ocarina of Time? Redeads? Yeah, being like basically frozen by a redead. And it was like, it was weird because I had like a sleep paralysis thing where I i woke up and couldn't move mm. so it was very much like being stunned by like a, a redead so th- that's maybe the most like vivid video game nightmare i've had that's <laughs>
0: horrifying uh dan writes in he says hello ben and the frivolous ticker i'm sorry frivolous ticklers <laughs> oh boy frivolous ticklers uh thankfully i did not name min max that after all um okay. but he says i really enjoyed your game case trivia stream." uh that jake won so i thought i would put together a game of my own with a twist on the formula i call it steam user review trivia <laughs> which by the way i think people have written in with before but still thank you dan this is I, very fun well I, well I did a version of that at game informer oh that's time. right that's right uh for each game below i've listed three excerpts from user reviews on steam it's the cohort's job to figure out which game the users are reviewing. Reviews have not been edited for grammar, spelling, punctuation, or clarity. And as a bonus okay. hint, all games listed released on Steam in 2020.
4: Okay. So 2020 games. These are user okay. reviews. Do, we, do you want to start say our names or anything or just all?
0: Uh, just go ahead. Yeah, I guess let's keep it that way. Yeah. All right. Okay. Game number one. The RPG mechanics are as shallow as a kid's paddling pool. I was really enjoying the main character, and in less than two hours in, he just dies to the first boss. At
2: least in 2020. Mm -hmm.
0: Picking apples and mining diamonds while Blank is kidnapped and there is not an ounce of remorse in my body. (laughs) Kyle and Cyril, I'm counting on you for this oh. one. Although we all played it, we all did play it, huh? Yeah, yep.
4: we played it, and it's on
0: Steam. It's on Steam. It's an RPG where you're picking apples and I guess mining diamonds. The main character dies less than two hours in. He takes a special beam to the chest. I don't know. I'm what? blank. The main protagonist takes a special beam
2: cannon to beam his cannon chest. Thing. Oh, Oh, uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot! Thank you, holy oh. mother of God! I I, I played maybe oh. three hours of that game. Okay,
0: that's
4: fine. Kyle, I am stunned and appalled. I should I leave? I It'd don't know. be nice. It'd be nice. Should I go? <laughs> and you guys can uh, put water in your mouths, and I'll come back. <laughs>
0: Please. Okay, here we go. Game number two. <laughs> uh. Good game, but it's spelled G U D. Heads up so you can figure out this fan base.
2: Mm, so it's good.
0: Good game so far, but why is there an effing battle pass? Okay. Good game can, with That's every game
2: released in 2020. <laughs>
0: yep, yep. Good game with good Christian values. Haha, <laughs> ha, chain pass. Haha, chainsaw go burr.
4: Uh is Doom Eternal?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Way to that go, surreal. You can just say the name of the game, I guess. All buzz right. again. I was trying yeah, to play right. by the rules, but sure, whatever.
4: Uh, okay, on- I don't care. Okay, here we go.
0: Game <laughs> number three. Oh. On Steam in 2020, remember? Very specific. This is a case where all the writers had to do was make mashed potatoes and somehow burn the whole franchise down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> My critical game-breaking bug doesn't allow the player to shoot Ava in the face with a shotgun. (laughs) My review is locked into a six-month exclusivity deal. So a game Ah. where people were upset about an exclusivity deal released on Steam in
4: 2020 where the writers (laughs) burned the whole franchise down. So it's a franchise. You can't shoot Ava. Uh Uh-huh.
2: it's not, it's not like
4: Resident Evil 3, is it? There's no No.
2: No, no there is no exclusivity yeah. stuff. There's
0: certainly a lot of shooting in this game. I
4: don't know. I, this is surprisingly hard. This is, I am shocked know.
0: that this is not easier. This is Borderlands 3, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Borderlands I, yeah. 3. Oh, I feel like that was almost okay. too hard. I don't know who Ava is. No one does. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. game game number four. I cried five times. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Suck game. Design of the platform need to be jumped precisely every time. What is the point? Try many time for the same stupid platform just because a tiny little bit height or distance you can't reach. Copy-pasted <laughs> pa- copy Hollow Knight with technical issues. Okay. Have we played this? Do we need yes. Yeah, I've played this. Um, I I believe you did, Thuriel. Is it uh, uh, Kunai? No you're thinking no no bigger name than that a, a game like that maybe but one that's more emotional where you'd cry five times
4: oh ori uh there the we the go there we go mm. all right now we're flying okay Good game okay that's a free that's a free game that i played in beat there we go right.
0: hey if you have a problem with spiders don't even think about playing this after completing the game I can confirm that it was indeed <laughs> worth the wait, but wait is spelled W-E-I-G-H-T. Uh, is that a cereal. Cereal. Half-Life Alex. There we go. Way to go. The last one was, I paid $1,000 for a video game and I would do it again.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a good okay. game.
0: Game number six. This is an early access on Steam. Shameless ripoff. There are small mechanical differences, but ultimately the core experience is unashamedly taken straight from blank. Surreal. Surreal. Temtem? Yes! Wow! Oh, good job! There you go, Surreal. Now we're there. Okay, <laughs> last one. Good luck. It's not Fortnite. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Game is full of Hanzo mains. I just Crucible. assumed every Canadian prison was like this. Warzone. Crucible,
4: no. It's a uh, deep cut. Uh, uh, Valorant. That's not on Steam.
0: No, I think I was the only one that played it. Uh, Darwin Project, uh, mm. a game that famously uh, I mean, so has Hanzo, it Hanzo in, it. in it. Yep,
2: and, and also everybody should Fortnite. I heard. Yep, yeah, exactly. Uh, that Wait, is so cool. that is that like a part of a trend of like people who like haven't been who, who didn't grow up on other shooters calling any, anyone who's a sniper
3: a Hanzo main? I is think so. What getting it
2: there. Okay, yeah. they probably
3: don't even know what that means.
0: I think, I think it's just the bow and arrow thing specifically. Um, yeah.
3: Mm.
4: Uh, but My kid calls them zoom in guns. Isn't that weird? Get the zoom in gun. The bow? Calls. Yeah. For snipers. Oh. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, okay. What do you guys like for a question of the week? Uh, I liked um, consoles of the future. I thought that was a weird question. That,
2: hmm. uh, yeah. I always like, 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 like those will, slightly existential questions. Yeah. yeah.
4: Like will these will those consoles exist in 30 years or rather will these the the main three be making consoles in 30 years do
2: you like that more
4: than inspector cheeks
2: i yes. was going to say inspector i think, i think i it just barely edges it out in my mind but i think so
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> jeff where are you standing on this
3: i was going to say inspector cheeks
4: i'm i'm leaning inspector cheeks too <laughs> all right it's a weird one i i'm i'm i like encouraging those kind of weird uh, write-ins for sure I mean let's not get too freaky but cereal can
0: you live if we give it to Inspector Cheeks uh, I'll live yeah I'll, I'll live great thank you for like conceding uh, <laughs> congratulations to Crab Palace uh, you get this awesome Donut County vinyl soundtrack look at this sucker that's cool isn't that amazing for my 8 bit obviously it's nice. in the store if anybody else uh, wants to buy it with the promo code minmax for 10% off but now I believe it's time for something called get a load of this
2: I can I can start off uh, yeah So get a load of this uh, uh, David Lynch, a uh, friend of the show and 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 uh, birthday buddy of mine Wow uh, is uploading daily weather reports to YouTube and they're not relevant to me because he lives in LA and it feels like I either he literally either it's a bit or he looks out the window and says, well, it's pretty sunny outside and it's like here's the degrees highs and lows. But I've been watching them for like the past few days, and they've been kind of like a—I wouldn't say they're like a uh, like a hallmark of my day, but it's like I've I've kept up with them for weird reasons, and it's this nice kind of like, okay, stop what you're doing and watch the new weather report from David Lynch, uh, which is very weird. <laughs> Do you feel um, like dude? it's self-aware?
0: Like, is he smiling and joking, or what's his
4: tone during these things? Is David Lynch smiling and joking? Okay. <me>? How yeah, so, is he during? He's doing pretty this? straight about it, he plays it pretty straight.
2: What do you think he's getting out of it? He must know it's silly and a funny thing to do. I wonder if someone just told him, like, hey, like, if you have a YouTube channel, you should upload regular content. And he's like, the most regular content possible is the Daily Weather Report. Uh, <laughs> I mean, also, he uploaded like the first part of Rabbits to his YouTube channel, and that's a very good movie that is weird. So, sure, you should like watch that gonna... also
4: message you about that I, I think it's a funny joke i was gonna send you a link to the rabbits thing and be like time to break out the original modded xbox that's <laughs> right that would
2: have been yeah. a good joke right yes that would have been good okay thank <laughs> you thank you <laughs> well, i i assume he's gonna upload the rest of it at some point but it's just weird to see him like to see him upload it in parts which i guess works because it's like a series of, of of bits but like it's very weird what you david lynch of all people is doing with his youtube channel but you should check it out well hey there we go Jeff, um,
3: nice. Yeah. Uh, Get a load of this. Uh, Itch.io, people may have already seen this. I'm assuming that it's all over social media, but I haven't been on social media, so I don't know. But Itch.io has put together a bundle of indie games uh, to support racial justice and equality. Um, And so I don't know how many they started with, but they kind of put this out that they were going to do this. All the money was going to go to... Uh, the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund and the Community Bail Fund split 50-50. Uh, and so a bunch of a bunch of indie developers on on Itchio have kind of have donated their games to it. So it's a it's a minimum five dollar buy-in. But the the bundle has just completely exploded and they have now over a thousand games uh included in this if if you buy into it and it has raised at this point 4.9 million dollars that's amazing uh and there's there's 4 days left and it's i mean it it is just it is there are so many games included that it is like kind of breaking itch.io's Itchio's delivery way they they said that they they won't immediately add all the games to your account because it would just completely flood people's library so so now when you when you buy in they'll they'll send you to basically a temporary page where you can pick which games that you want to add to your library but they said that they're they're fixing that and they'll have a way to add everything to your library but it is just a a ridiculous amount of games that you can get while supporting a good cause so yeah and just
0: opening it up it's like Overland, uh, night in the woods, Celeste, a short hike, uh and that's a fraction I'd argue. Able-
2: yeah. Like there's a really? ton of like good stuff. Like for five dollars, guys, this is a really good deal.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and 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 just just a lot of like I, I have also been scrolling through it and I've seen a number of projects I've never heard of but have sounded really interesting because that's kind of Itchio's whole thing is they let people get really experimental with what they're doing. And it seems like basically everyone on that platform is jumping in to try and help this cause. So
0: including the game called three lesbians in a barrow. So that's my favorite. That's
2: that's gaming.
4: That's gaming, baby. That's super cool. Uh, Kyle, uh, yeah. A bonus get a load of this that we can include is, uh, uh, PC gamer, the website put together a good like list of like 15 games, I think of just like, Hey, here's some good highlights. And they also, they, and they don't, because I, I went to go click that list, and I was like, okay, it's going to be a short hike and oxen free and Celeste, like the games I've heard of. Yeah. But their list is, it's a lot of stuff that's like stuff I haven't heard of. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig into that. Oh, um, cool. Soon, hopefully. Um, but my traditional get a load of this is from, actually, it was mid, like last month I had this one sitting in my queue. It's, it's pretty simple, straightforward. Uh, Mike Mignola, the artist who created Hellboy, he drew a bunch of Pokemon. Um, in his very unique and distinct art style. Uh, so I'll share, I'll send, we'll have a couple of those tweets listed that are just like, there's Bulbasaur and Mike Mignola's style, which is like really yeah. cool to see. I thought that was awesome. Oh, that is cool. Um, this is uh, an odd one, but get
0: a load of this, everybody. Like what, last winter, two winters ago, whatever it was. I, I talked about it, I believe, on the podcast because I was obsessed with that for a while. But uh, Ron Chernow had a biography of Grant that I read and, and really enjoyed. I guess they made a history channel show based on it. I I haven't watched that yet, but I've been meaning to. Um, But I, my mom asked if she could borrow it. And so I gave it to her. And because I'm a geek, I take notes on all the books that I read in the back. And so like, as I was giving it to my mom, I'm like, I'm going to look and see what my notes were. And just like cruise through my notes of like things that I found interesting in that book. And there was one thing that I forgot about that's so weird, which is the day before Lincoln was assassinated, um, this is from his secretary of war, uh, Gideon Wells. He 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 wrote this down. But the day before Lincoln was assassinated, they had a cabinet meeting. And in the meeting, Lincoln was talking about a dream that he had the night before. So I guess this was the day that he was assassinated. I'm sorry. So it's the, a dream that Lincoln had the night before the day he was assassinated, where he talks about how he was moving very, he was moving with great rapidity in what he described as a singular, indescribable vessel. Which is like one of those weird things, but if you're a sci-fi writer, that idea that like Lincoln's describing some singular, indescribable vessel that moves super fast, like the day before he died, I love that idea. I love some weird abstract concept of like aliens whisking Lincoln away the night before he died, or maybe it's a time machine, something fun like that, but just some fun sci-fi and history, you know?
3: Yeah, he was writing well, the i, I mean I, th- I think he had that dream because he was playing video games <laughs> oh I, it's more of a nightmare yeah he, he yeah.
0: was
4: playing the new god of war yeah and then he punched medusa real quick because we all did we all just jump to try to make that joke is that what just happened <laughs> <laughs> i think so
0: uh jeff did you get one from the community uh jeff, you got to get a load of this from the community and the uh, get a load of this channel which is a non-stop flow of fun stuff in the discord It is. Uh, Hey, get
3: a load of this. This one's a bit more of a PSA than anything too special, but uh, this one comes from Toby, a.k.a. Random Gamer, and he is uh, posting a tweet from Steven Weintraub, who this was breaking news in case you hadn't heard it, but um, San Diego Comic-Con this year, they announced that they are... Moving everything online, it's going to be the same dates from July 22nd to July 26th. uh, But they're going to basically live stream everything, and it's going to be free for everyone this year.
0: Hmm. Oh. Uh, So basically,
3: they're moving all the panels and everything online, but... yeah. That is You don't cool. have to worry about being charged for it or anything. I'd so. like to
0: watch some of those.
3: That sounds fun. Yeah, Comic Con continues. Very helpful. There we go.
0: Well, hey, that's it for this big episode of the Minmax Show podcast. If you enjoyed it, please tell a friend. We'd appreciate it. And thank you to the fifty dollars supporters on Patreon. People like I am Eight Bit, Beaten Down Brian, Krista, Nick DeFeo, Rebecca Lang, Zachary Pliggy, The Smack, Mark Seliga, Juarhalo, Andrew Valla, Bob Buell, Jesse Vitelli, Marco Rico Toreno, Time Bomb Tom, Yaro, Josh Elliot, Captain Stubbs One, Tyler Carver. Tyler Carver, Michael Jakes, Christian King, Adam Walker, J.T. Fells, E.N.T. Clark, Ludwig Roquet, Steve Bamdad, Andrew Sanford, Matthew Paxton, David Lacalucci, and Midnight Satire. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you next week. Be good. Have fun. Let's go.